Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host Barrett Carlin and today for my guest I have Aaron aka Skinner to chat with me. Uh, it was fantastic having Aaron on. Uh, we'll be chatting about his early interest in music and what led to the creation of the band Skinner, uh, his creative process and his latest EP Commander Trainwreck which was out this year amongst a whole host of other things as well. And speaking of hosts I have uh, Zach Stevenson with me in this particular episode acting as co-host slash fact checker I think was the title that he wanted to go with in his little brown suit. Um, and yeah, and Zach very kindly hosted the night for us as well. So we had a few cans over at his and that was, it was, it was a lot of fun recording it. But I will say one thing, uh, when we got the files back for production, we just had a little bit technical difficulties with Zach's microphone audio. So you'll be hearing his voice being picked up by myself and Aaron's mic. It won't be his. I hope that's fine. Um, it's myself and Aaron mainly talking for most of the episode anyway. So I'll get on with it. Here's the theme music by Zach Stevenson. Wait, wait. I always I, this is the part that I hate about the podcast is introducing everybody at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I just yeah. like just starting straight away. So we have Aaron from Skinner here as guest. You're gonna be uh, guest number thirty. Okay. So, yeah. So is that is that cool with That's you? Nice, <laughs> a nice even number. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. What? What? <laughs> okay, let's start again. Hold on. Wait. What is going on? I thought you were still just talking normally. No, no, no. I just get because I always do an intro. No, we can just leave it like that. It'd be funnier. Okay, okay. So yeah. You want to <laughs> It's the Christmas party. <laughs> oh yeah, so we also have sorry, I forgot that Zach is with us here as well. So we have Zach. I don't know, Zach, are you co-host today or are you co-guest? I'm the guy in the podcast who sits at the computer and like Google stuff for you guys while you're talking. Okay. So Fact checker. Yeah. Producer. Sure. Producer. We'll go with producer. Should be noted he is wearing a suit. <laughs> and it's a lovely suit at that. <laughs> so what we got in the uh, cardigan. One uh, 40 quid on the ferry with the uh, from £2.50 on the slots. No, you got it. No, you got it off a twenty-five p bet. That oh, was that was it. Yeah, yeah it was a twenty-five p bet. bet, and it got forty pounds return. Imagine it was a two. It was a two-pound bet. It would have been like two hundred quid. Twenty-five p. Yeah, and yeah. It won forty pounds off of it. So <laughs> I bought two toasties, a suit, three hats. Uh, like I don't know what as we got we just bought a bunch of stuff with it mm, okay well because it is the Christmas episode I brought us a little treat Ooh. uh just a small treat we can have it oh nice what is it what's it gonna be we can have it during oh, the episode the <laughs> small sort of rodent um, it's, it's 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 in a block of butter his name is Oliver <laughs> Yeah, we can have that later. Uh, but I guess the first question, like that, well, we won't go into the question. How was other voices actually? Because you just played it, you're just back from it. It was amazing. It was fucking savage. Um, such a magical festival. Um, just everything about it was amazing. Really, really great bands. Um, and then they just treat you really, really, really nicely over there as well. Um, pull the mic into you. Oh, pull the mic in. Sorry, my etiquette's really bad. No, you're grand, don't worry. Yeah, it was lovely. We had a fucking great time. Mm. Filthy sessions every night. <laughs> lovely people too. It's such a weird festival because I remember the first time I went to it, um, I went down with somebody's child. Well, I didn't it didn't intentionally, but then, but just the, you're going into these areas where you're seeing these huge bands in tiny, tiny spaces. Like, yeah, no, I fucking love it. I can't, I wish I went this year, yeah, but just like money was an issue. Because it was like a rent a crowd. Like you could put on like literally like, anything, know, any noise, like thing. 
and there would be a full venue. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we couldn't get over how many people were just queuing up. It was unbelievable. Like, yeah. and like the venues, even though they're tiny and the sound like isn't great, it's more about like the performance of that night. So like everyone's already sloshed as well. Like from like as soon as they wake up in the morning <laughs> so it makes it even better <laughs> yeah well, the voices was the night where i had went to bed and woke up the next day my friend shay was in the bed next to me and he was like uh, barra you shit the bed and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> and he was like look down and i looked down the side of the bed and it was all brown like all of it liquid brown all down the side of the bed and we were in a what? hotel and i was like what the fuck and then i put my hand down my cacks and was like oh no it was all wet I was like I did shit the bed <laughs> and I took the took the blanket back and it turns out it was a pint of Guinness was between oh my, my legs <laughs> that is the most other voices thing ever yeah that is most like, other voices a pint of Guinness doesn't leave your hand like no matter where you go you know what I mean duct taping like, it to it you don't even like the, the pints are just like Dingle's pint glasses I'm sure the pub owners would disagree but it just felt like you walk into any pub you're walking around with the pie everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It, but I, I remember coming back every single night. It was almost like, almost like you were hallucinating how pissed you were. <laughs> like you were so pissed you were hallucinating. But anyway, uh, maybe you were also. Maybe, maybe you were hallucinating. Maybe I was actually. <laughs> but there was a guy just hopping, going around, hopping, offering people poppers all the time. Just everywhere you went, he was just this when year? you meet her. No, the, the year that I went, just everywhere you went, he was just poppers. There's and just always like, oh. a poppers guy at those things. I don't know what it is about it, but every town's got one. Every town's got one. And if you don't know who it is, it's probably you. Barrow was pointing at himself. <laughs> those of you who aren't on the Patreon getting the video feed of the podcast. I had the nickname Poppers Roach over COVID. Poppers Roach. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. But uh, I guess the first question I have for you, Aaron, is what did you, well, the second question, what, uh, what was like your first foray into music? Like what made you think, oh, I can make a career out of this and got you interested in? Uh, well, I never thought I could make a career out of it. Still don't. <laughs> uh, I think that I actually didn't. I when I was a kid, I used to always be singing like songs and stuff like that. But I was never really into music. And I remember when I was like, I think six or seven, my sister got a like a really shitty acoustic Spanish guitar for Christmas, and uh, she like played it for like a day and then like left it there. <laughs> and then it sat in the house for like a year. So I would have been like I think seven or eight, and I just started picking it up. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I went and got guitar lessons then for like a year and I just kind of like for some reason just progressed it much quicker than like most other people would. So I really got into like playing guitar then and then it got to the point where I didn't really need the lessons anymore. So I just started teaching myself and then I started playing in bands when I was like 10 um, and basically just started playing in bands when I was like a young kid and uh, just really enjoyed the process of like playing with other people but I always really loved to write songs so mm. I would like bring songs to this band but it's in a band with like kids who are like way older than me they were like say way older they were like a year or two older <laughs> makes a big which difference is a at that age though yeah. difference <laughs> at that age and I would bring it to them and like they'd always just be like oh like no this is shit we're not playing this and I'd be like oh yeah okay cool guys no worries um but uh yeah the sight of that yeah I know it's tough but uh I think so I was just a guitar player and I thought of myself as a guitar player for like all of my like young adult life I never mm. thought but I was always writing songs as well but like they would never be played for anyone and then when I was I think 14 or 15 I got really into like American folk music so that's my, not what I thought you were going to no, say no not at all my, my dad is huge he's a huge like fan of like um American folk and like kind of any 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 like strand of folk but like a lot of like Joan Baez, Roscoe Holcomb, Pete Seeger um stuff like that and then from like the age of like 14 to like 19 was the only thing I listened to was American folk like, I didn't even know it was on the radio 
for like most of like those years and then you it's like destiny's child no like yeah <laughs> i missed like everything and then like years later i'm like hearing these songs and they're like i've never heard it's like i just just i was listening to fucking like yeah, i don't know like uh tom clancy back then <laughs> the clancy brother i don't know like so Wait, tom clancy like the guy who wrote jack Re- jack reacher <laughs> sorry am i mixing that up sorry just the, the one of the clancy brothers oh, yeah, i can't yeah. remember his first name but one of the clancy brothers oh, okay i was like the sci-fi writer also was into folk music i, I wish <laughs> I, liam i think it is liam yeah, yeah yeah liam clancy um so yeah like i did that and i was also busking like for years so like okay. i like started off my first like foray into performing like in terms of singing and stuff like that was through busking it was back in dublin when you could do it without a license so like everyone was just like lying in the streets because i look so young um, I would make like shit loads of money <laughs> like an unbelievable like if you think like an hour's work coming out with like 200 quid in like one one, ones and two euros and then like I remember like going what to age the, were you sorry what I would have been like 15 at this time me man yeah and then I started bringing my other friend as well who's a year younger than me we'd always go at Christmas time and he we, I would dress him up well he would dress up in like a, a Christmas jumper and a Santa hat and like fingerless gloves and people would take such pity on him it was so funny they would like he would like come home with like I think like close to 500 quid like after what? a day's work yeah like once in two when euros. did they bring in the license thing then they brought in the license I was I think probably 17 or 18 so uh, I don't know like 2014 2015 Bastards. Um, like <laughs> and then I gave it up then anyway because it, it had become to a point where like people were still trying to bust without a license and they were getting caught and then fine so I just kind of left it but uh, doing that definitely helped me like as a performer in terms of like when you're on a street there's nothing like that you can hide behind you're just there mm. and you've got to be good you've got to like catch, catch crowds attention like straight away so um and during that period as well i started playing in like a lot of open mic nights in dublin city center as well so i playing like a lot of folk clubs and stuff um and then like i would stay out late in the folk club but what i'd have to do is because i was underage i'd have to go there for like five or six p.m the day <laughs> and then sit there with like a coke <laughs> and then wait until like the night wouldn't start until like 9pm and then you'd like do the sign up so like I like, played like every open mic night in Dublin like during that time period so like I would, I knew the drill like you go up you sign your name you'd say like what songs you're playing and you get like three or four songs and then like you play them and then I'd stay around and watch the other people and usually they were like a mixed like thing of like poets spoken word and then music as well right it was a nice mix it was a nice way to like get into a more artistic side of music where it was it wasn't just music it was like people bringing in poetry and people bringing in like all these different elements as well <clears throat> but um i remember i would like stay out late in the pubs they were always on weekdays those open mic nights so i would be in like school in secondary school like falling asleep <laughs> and like failing super fucking hard <laughs> uh so then i stopped that in like sixth year and then can't remember what happened then i just kind of like started like just writing songs and recording then after that but how like how did you branch from folk into kind of more punky uh music like the like similar to what you play now like i think like a lot of it had to do like folk in its roots is storytelling um with yeah and the music is actually secondary to the storytelling Mm. so um a lot of it as well was very like counterculture it was extremely like um rebellious kind of music they were always you know giving out about like the government and politics and um you know, certain like groups of people's rights and stuff like that it, it was always rooted in that so I think that that's what attracted me to it in the first place but um there was just a couple of things that happened when I was like 17 I had the death of like a close friend uh he tragically took his own life and after that time period 
uh, I was so disillusioned with the world that I was looking for something to kind of like branch into that expressed the anger that I was feeling in that time period. And I think punk music definitely sheltered that um, aspect of what I wanted and things. Mm. Um, so I got really, really into punk music because it was so fuck you. And it was like loud and aggressive. And you don't like it. I don't give a shit. It was like, that's how <laughs> I felt at that time. I was so angry about everything. Um, and it was the perfect catalyst to nurture that because even though it's people get some people, you know, like they think of punk music as like, you know, violent and extremely like um, scary and stuff. But it's actually a very welcoming place and it welcomes in people from all walks of life and all kind of like um, just everything. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's extremely like uh, sheltering community for people who are going through stuff, I think. No, I love the punk scene now, I have to say. it Like, the, the even on the, like, it's a very small thing, but even on the subreddit thing, just people posting, just like, mm. I did this thing. They're like, you go, you, like, you do you, man. It's brilliant. The thing about it, though, like, it's, it's, there is, I think that there is no such thing as punk music. Like, punk is like, just like, if you t- take, like, what punk was when it first started, it was just like basically sped up rock and roll. Like, the Sex Pistols is just slightly faster. And even then, compared to today's standards, not even that fast. It's more of like the ethos that it brought. It's more of like a, a way to live more than anything else. I don't really consider it a style of music because it is rooted in just its um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's rooted in its its values and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like the, like bad brains would like was it bad brains of PMA the positive mental attitude that yeah, kind of thing yeah, like, like bad all, brains, yeah. yeah. Um, how did that lead to Skinner? Actually, sorry, where did the name Skinner even begin with, and how did it lead into all the like? Wow, because <laughs> the image that I always get is is Skinner looking down at Bart and going pathetic. Is this is the, is the, uh, <laughs> is the, <laughs> like it, it like I was a huge Simpsons fan. Like I think everyone is. Like everyone from like this age group is like. I have a friend who's never watched it because he was not allowed to watch it as a child. Neither was I. But like, oh, still got on. Right, yeah, okay. you still got into it. I mean, like everyone quotes it so much. I think. I, I don't like everyone always asks me this question. I actually don't really remember where it came <laughs> from. I remember that when I was starting to make music, I wanted a name. And uh, I had a friend at the time who who was uh, really into keeping notes. So like they um they would like, keep like notes on like notebooks and on their phone and stuff like that. of Like just weird phrases that like people would say on like when they were like out or whatever. And like just like things they would come up with. There was loads of like these really obscure names. We were going to like one of them. I can't remember what one of them was. <laughs> Like at one point it was going to be Jeremiah Goldstein. <laughs> that was going to be the stage name for Skinner. <laughs> it doesn't really quite have the same ring to it, if I'm going to no. be honest. <laughs> and I think I don't even remember what that's from. I think it might be from a Cormac McCarthy book. Um, that was maybe a character. I'm not sure actually. Cormac uh, McCarthy book. Jesus Christ! But he writes very dark books. Yeah, he does. Like uh, Blood Meridian is my favorite. <laughs> Blood Meridian. Book. Over, my, is it actually? Oh, it's my favorite book of oh, all time. Oh man, I read it when I was 19, and I was like, this book is fucking traumatic. It's very difficult to read. It's as well. extremely difficult. Like but it's it's, it's like you read like 15 pages and you put it down and you say, I am never returning. No, to but this. even the way that it's written is it's quite like no, kind of no, de- like punctuation. Yeah, no, it's like, quite dense. Um, have you ever read it? No, you would love it. It's man. brilliant. Yeah, it's a west. It's a west. It's, yeah, it's a western. You it's a western. western. Yeah, 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 it's a western, but it just goes into like the meaning of life and everything. It just yeah, goes because, into but everything. I thought it started. See, when 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 you read it a big to begin, it kind of sets you up for it going to be this kind of revenge against Native American story. Yeah, because because it starts off. There's the church massacre at the very beginning of it. I think so. Like it's been. I I read it when I was seventeen, so it's yeah. been. I actually been meaning to revisit it. I just remember like scalping Indians was a massive yeah, that was a theme. massive part of it. <laughs> a it was a huge theme. part of it. Like if you could, if you could like scalp an Indian and like have like a collection of scalps, like you were basically a god in that book. And the longer the hair, I wow. think the worse, the yeah. more it was worth and stuff. But it's like it starts off with a kid who's 
family were massacred by Indians and he joins yeah. a but it's a yeah it's a it's a brutal book <laughs> it's a brutal book I actually read that during that time period as well before I started Skinner so that would make a lot of sense yeah. he also he also wrote uh, he wrote The Road which is the most miserable book you could ever yeah, read yeah, and know, then yeah. uh, No Country for All Men which is also a miserable book yeah. he's actually one of my favourite authors though just because you know like he he is like a cowboy like I think he lives like somewhere in like the desert and all like his like life story is like incredible and they've been trying you know the way they made they made like you know the movie for the roads they've been trying to make the Blood Meridian movie for like since he's released the book oh, be and he's been film. through like so many directors but like in every contract that they've signed or something like that he has to have like complete artistic control and he's been so disappointed with like all the like trials whatever's happened so far so it's the one movie where he said I will never make that into a movie that because they probably keep trying to make it as some feckin' uh, western like gun ho type of film when it's actually very poignant and <laughs> serious respect for someone who's like able to just retain the ability to be like nah it's trash you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's like. I mean, I it's Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish that was like more common for like book adaptation or any adaptations or like movies or shit. Funny, like, I was, I was wondering, like Stephen King is the way like some rights to his films for very cheap, and then he'll give out shit about the about the, the actual adaption of it. Like he he hated The Shining so much that he made his own version of it. Like he hated Stanley Kubrick's version of it so much. Really? Uh, oh, he hated it. Now, in my opinion, the book is fantastic, but the ending's kind of fucked. As in, I don't like the ending of it. Whereas the film kind of, I don't like the way it just plots you there. Like the back, Jack's backstory is much more interesting. And even the way they do, is it, what's the name of the, is it Charlie's the name of the ghost that he has? The red rum guy? Danny's the name of the kid and then the ghost that he sees. But like in the in the thing, it's the finger, which he doesn't do. In the book, he actually sees a physical child that's all in black. Just just completely pitch black. Oh, well. It's much scarier. But uh, yeah, no, he made a, he made his own version of The Shining, and uh, it was terrible. It was a mini series, like a you can see, series. a mini series is six six episodes long. He directed it himself, and it's so bad. I actually think at a point you can see like the boom mic that comes into scenes <laughs> and stuff. Like it's I want you remember? Did you ever see the horror channel that was on Sky? It was I, horror, I, I, and it always the played the paranormal these, channel. No, no, there's well, I think it's paranormal now, but it used to okay. be the horror channel. But like they would play these films like Slugs, which was like Slugs would go <laughs> Slugs would go underneath your skin. And then, like I remember, it was like a, a guy had to hack off his hand because the slug went under, and then he tried to turn. He no fell off. He fell on. So he fell. Yeah. Like, well, that's no, but, no, here's the thing. Like, no, here's the thing. Slugs. He falls then on gas or some shit, and then the whole garden blows up, and then it just goes slugs. That was the type of <laughs> that was the type of films you would get. And it was before the age rating, so you would get like you could watch uh, on Sky before you had to put it in the pin. So I was watching all these films when I was like ten, and they're just like grindhouse horror films. But yeah, that's where grindhouse I saw the shinehouse. Uh, shine, shine, shining Harville maybe thinking it's terrible it's very bad amazing <laughs> but how so instead of Skinner then like how did Skint come about because I know you mixed it and recorded it and wrote it all by yourself oh yeah yeah so not many people know about that that was I did that so when I was finishing I think secondary school I would have been like 18 I think 17 or 18 I remember that I said like I'm going to get a job and I'm just going to buy a bunch of recording gear because I was really getting into it was during that time where like bedroom producing was becoming like a huge thing mm. because of like say like Mac DeMarco and stuff like that like people were realizing like oh shit like we can do this and we don't need like to spend 400 euro a day in like recording studio so I said like I wanted to do that so I got a job in a petrol station up the road from my house and I worked there and it, they had no central heating at all oh, Jesus. and uh, they had like nothing and like funny like a side note now but like every year I remember that they used to there was like a I like a grate at the door where like do like for like runoff uh, rainwater right and what we used to do was at the end of the shift we'd have to we'd get like this coffee machine 
and you always have to dump the milk and you're supposed to dump it down the toilet because the toilet isn't connected to like the the drains or whatever like it goes oh. like a separate thing right. we we're always too lazy so we dump it down the sink oh god so like we dump it down the sink like every night and basically it would then go out into the gutters outside so like that that grate and that gutter that was outside would fill up with like rotten milk over like a year period and then at the end of every year they i was always my job they'd give me a coffee cup oh jeez <laughs> a paper coffee cup and then you'd have to because it would start to smell as soon as it started to smell, yeah. like at the front of the shop, it'd be like, "Oh, Aaron, it's fucking milk. It's uh, it's it's milk in season. It's, it's, it's milk in season. Got to get out there and scrape that milk." And like, I I get like a coffee cup and go into the drain with like a glove and like scoop like milk oh out with the God. coffee cup. And this is where headroom comes. This from. is where this is where headroom. This is the inspiration for headroom. Wait, for real? Yeah. Well, the first the first up. line is like, "I scoop the cracks where the milk turns black." <laughs> Sour chunks of putrid gunk. <laughs> All makes sense now. And I think that was like one of the first songs I did as as Skinner. Like, and it came from like that that time period where like I was working in there, and like every summer they made me do that. What I would always find though is I'd always find like a couple of euro. They were like like someone like obviously like dropping. They're like walking out of the shop, and it always stank of rotten milk. Always, no matter how much you washed it. I remember we we used to Zach was there. Were you there for like for my birthday party? I <laughs> it says so. Arrogant, but uh, I would host a pub a pub quiz at my house. But the quiz was always about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Can I come next time? Yeah, of course oh, you can. So fun. But uh, the what we used to do was the loser would be hit with the pie in the face at the end of it. Oh my god! What are you doing the next one? Uh, August seventeenth. But I'm oh, over in I'm over in London seeing Joji. But we'll have a party. Oh. We can do it. But uh, no. But the fr- so we did it. Yeah, they're only fifty quid. So, but um, with the the year that we did it with so afterwards we had to do it with shaving foam, which it turns out was also a bad idea because people still people got sore in their eyes. But no, he did it with, with proper like cream foam for a pie, and then would just bam hitch in the face. But the problem was was that milk goes off very especially when it's cream foam very quickly. So everybody that was hit in the face, including Alexi, my friend who has long hair and everything, just stunk of stale milk for the whole night. It's, it's quite the stench. And it's real bad. Yeah. And we went to Workman's and you could see, like it was just our crowd over at one place and just nobody. <laughs> no, and all you could, if you went near it, even the smoking area just st- smelled stale milk the whole time. But it got on like parts of the kitchen as well. So for two weeks straight, the kitchen just stunk of stale milk. Yeah. And it was, we couldn't get it out. And like my mom brought this brand new kind of, welcome mat for the back garden and she had to throw it out she's like I can't get the smell I've washed it six times oh my god <laughs> that's hilarious uh, yeah to answer your question though so like I, I bought that recording gear and uh, I just kind of like at that point I just I wasn't really seeing anyone I wasn't going out like I was in college but like I wasn't really enjoying it at all so I remember when I'd finished I'd just come home and I'd just record every single day and try like to learn how to do it like I had no idea what I was doing because mm. at that point I think YouTube tutorials, they were there, but they weren't very like... Well, they're oddly specific. They were like, oddly specific, yeah. but the, the they also weren't... The good stuff wasn't free. The good stuff wasn't free. Like just, you could yeah. you could get like some stuff. So like I was basically like learning on the fly about things. And, like when I listen back to that mixtape now, I'm like, God, 
I would love to revisit this and mix it properly. There's now. some great songs. Like, there's great songs on it. I was listening to it today because, uh, like, admittedly, Zach sent it to me today. I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, no, no. Um, one knows, yeah. I was trying to be a little nardwar and find, like, deep cuts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I was like, I was like but the thing that I can't get over is because I didn't, re- like, it was six years ago, the the change in your singing style and your voice. Yeah. We'll, we'll get on, we'll move on to that. We'll get on to that. But yeah, like, how that, like, so in the end, like, you mixed and everything. Did you, ma- you didn't master it yourself, did you? I did, yeah, I mastered did you? myself. Jesus. Yeah, as well. I, I was basically just like I didn't have I didn't know what I was doing at all like I didn't have any friends who were who were musicians at that time either like at that point like they'd yeah. all gone on to do different things so it was very alone like and I played all the instruments I remember that like in when I was recording that I would I had like a double bed in my room and uh, not like with all the gear in there with the drums and the amps mm. and like the speakers and all like, it wouldn't all fit so I would dismantle the bed and uh, I took out like the bottom part of the bed the divan or whatever it is and I, I think I just threw it out and then I would put the mattress against the door and the wall so that it would um, mute stop the drums the yeah, yeah. it would like stop the reflection of the drums like hitting off each other so you get like a nicer sound and then I slept <laughs> I slept on a yoga mat <laughs> in between the drum kit and the amp and like the guitars and like the mattress for like a year because I think it took Fuck. me like I think it took me like six or seven months to like do that like whole like recorded and like to get everything right. So I slept on that yoga mat like all that time because I had so much gear in the room and so many like mic stands and everything. But like every day, like I would like wake up, I'd like go to college or if I was on like the weekend and then I'd like come home, record, write the songs, record, keep going over and over and then learn how to mix it. And then I remember when I was putting it out, like I didn't really know what to do. Like I at that point, I was like very, very self-conscious. So like you were saying about singing style, mm. I'd never sung. I had sung like folk songs and stuff, but I was always trying to be like some like guy like Bob Dylan or like Roscoe Holcomb or something like that. Like I was putting on this accent. So I decided to try and make it like more like me at the time, I suppose. Um, And yeah, like it, you can tell like how different it is now because it's someone trying to find their, their voice like mm. in it. But I find that to find like your voice and who you are, it takes like a long time, a very, very long time. And a lot of people never do. But like, if you really want to do it, then it's something that you should definitely consider doing. You should never try and like, try and be someone else or anything like that. Yeah. Because they're already taken. <laughs> can you you can't Bob, be that. For the crack, can you do a Bob Dylan? Oh, like if I had like a guitar or something like that, I could fucking just like do right it. Now, just give us a little... Oh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to give you one right now, Zach. Come on. Mr. Man, <laughs> No, yeah, I did. I, I thought it was Bob Dylan back then. Oh, really? Funny enough, yeah. Like for realsies? Oh, yeah. Like, I I mean, I'm not going to say this. No, I'll tell you in private afterwards. Okay, okay, I'm not okay. going to say this on podcast, but there's stuff out there. Let's just say that. Oh. <laughs> there's stuff oh. out there. I used to play the harmonica and the guitar, like everything. Like, I knew. Oh, yeah. Did you have the, the actual? Yeah. The, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I was like a huge, like, d- like Dylan fan, like Joan Baez, um, all of those people from that time period. Like, I would like, I at one point, I knew every single Bob Dylan song from like the first seven albums. Fuck. every single lyric every single like how to play the guitar like I just knew how to do everything because I think in a way like that taught me songwriting in a way because his songs are structured in such a way where they actually don't have very intricate chord changes say like the Beatles they would always be changing it like his is a very like it's one thing that's good repeated a lot of times mm-hmm. and then the, the the good part about it is the story like in between um, as I get older I actually find I like him less though oh really yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny it's weird. The first Bob Dylan album that I ever listened to was his latest one. It's great. Yeah. It, oh no, I it's loved it. Well, you saw most of it live yeah, there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Saw most I, of I, it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> he basically played. He played the three arena, and he mostly just played the new album. Yeah. 
maybe like five kind of obscure, okay. some less obscure, like deep cuts or whatever. Um, and then just like the new album, but it sounded unbelievable. Like it, it was probably better. one of the best gigs or like a bit. I saw him a couple of years ago and he's awful. It was the fucking like the worst yeah, thing I've ever seen. Yeah, my like person who's like, you know, deified and whatever, but did feel kind of like spiritual or like biblical that like you're like watching Bob Dylan like killing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's probably he's still alive as well. Yeah, yeah. But like my auntie now, her husband is a huge Bob Dylan fan. and He'll say that he's quite hit and miss. And you need to be a huge fan because he'll just do other versions of this. Of he never, song. he never plays the same song yeah. twice, which I always liked about him in a weird way. <laughs> like that's a guy. Like imagine like telling the band like, oh yeah, you know what we did last night? Yeah, scrap that. We're just going to do it on the fly tonight. Yeah. We, we did it on a waltz <laughs> last night. Let's do a polka tonight. You know, like it's it's someone who is like always like wants to be challenging themselves, which is I think important in music. But no, it's well, admirable, yeah. Like it was like, but also, it, sorry. It, it felt like watching him and the whole stage sort of and the band and the type of way they were playing. It felt like it was like as if when I was eighty, that I just like did all my back catalogue as like my pop punk dream from a teenager. Yeah, yeah, you know literally. I mean? like, yeah. Oh, okay, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like nineteen fifties, forties jazz, thirties. Go back to twenties, like, 20s, 30s, like <laughs> ragtime jazz. Stuff, stuff, really? yeah. The stuff that he grew up listening to, but like him, like finally reaching that point where he's just like the guy in the bar playing the piano, and he was fucking savage on the piano. Savage he was the on the piano. Like, there was no other. Piano I never, I never even was, thought like, of him as a in, like, piano jazz, player. Like blues piano playing, he was like actually great. His piano playing is definitely like way more. There's a musician then. Oh, yeah, it's fucking amazing. It's like, it's an old man kind of telling stories, but it just worked the way, like, the whole thing worked. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, when speaking about Bob Dylan and instruments and piano and stuff, how many instruments do you actually play? Because Mason told me he played the saxophone, and I thought it was him on the song. He goes, no, that's all Harren. I actually don't even know at this point. It's always (laughs) changing. I need to stop. Because, you see, I play so many, but I'm really bad at all of them. (laughs) All right, okay. Like... It's. I think it's just come out of like a. It always came out of like playing like different instruments. Always came out of like, I don't have. I don't know anyone. Like like for like most of my life until I met kind of like Zach and Aina and like Freddie and everything. It's only like in the last like I'd say year I've met like actual like other musicians. Most of my life was spent in a room recording by myself, and it was always like, oh, I don't have anyone to do it. Like I'm just mm. gonna have to do it. Like because what I wanted was. I wanted a specific sound and I wanted to be able to get that, but I didn't know anyone. So I was like, I have to just do it myself. So I just started picking up things like willy nilly, like here and there, because I think that most people who play music, they limit themselves to like one instrument, which is fine. And they're really, really good at it. But I wanted to be able to like, not, re- not, I suppose in a way, be relying on other people all the time, because I, s- I suppose until you're at a certain point where people really believe in what you're doing, mm. it's very difficult to get people to commit, to come in and like play on songs, do all this kind of stuff. Because they need to believe in you. They need to make it like worth their while to come in. So I was like, well, I'm definitely not at that level. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to do it myself. So it just started picking up like guitar, like bass just kind of came naturally because like it's similar to guitar. Then drums I played. My sister also played drums and she gave them up. So I, like I took her drum kit. Um, and then saxophone came because I wanted like elements of like, I suppose like jazz and like. Ska kind of thing. Ska kind of thing. Um. I'm not going to say like, it, don't worry. <laughs> disco, like, all that, like I, I find brass is like a forgotten art in music because it's so expensive to do. Back in the day, like a studio, it, like say you're looking at like Columbia Records or like Capitol Records, they would have a house string section and a house brass band. So like if you came in as an artist, they would in just... The house. In, in the house? In, in, like, house in house brass house, Yeah, band. they'd have just them hired. So like that's why like all those like, you know, like when Leonard Cohen and stuff would come in and they'd have like this really lush like brass. Like they were all just like in-house Oh, bands I never knew that. Um... 
because they're so expensive to hire like to hire like one of them for the day is a couple of hundred quid like as well the barrier to entry for brass is like you can get like somewhere with a guitar within like yeah. a week of learning it you can play like a chord or something whereas like brass like you have to get like you can't just like get away with being bad at brass yeah you, it's like you the fucking have to get to a level like an intermediate level before like, my favorite bra- brass players are really bad at brass though yeah. like that's where i like i find well, like, like dissonant kind of stuff is yeah it, like i like i love when people play instruments the way they're not supposed to be played <laughs> like if you take someone who's like a guitar player and you put them on drums what they'll do on drums is so like con- contradictory to like what a drummer would do but it's very interesting because if you ask a drummer to do that by themselves they probably wouldn't be able to do it because they've learned a certain way so like that's where i was coming from with like learning different instruments i was like i don't play these i'm teaching myself so like what will i learn technique wise myself that like no one else will be able to do because mm. They've been brought up with like these set rules. You got to do this and you got to do that. Like I found it like more interesting. So like saxophone and then like I took up like a lot of percussion like the last like uh, two years as well, just because I love that. I got into like a lot of like disco and like um, Afrobeat music and stuff and Latin music. And it was layered with all that kind of stuff that I suppose like in the Western world, you're almost like you never get to see because that music would never be played on the radio. It would never be popular around here. And it's so good. It's so, so, so good. And it was like a way like people need to like hear this in like, you know, the, the Western world. So I wanted to incorporate those elements into like my own music to to like expose people to this. Like there's a whole world out here that you're never going to hear if mm. you don't like listen to these records and stuff. Like artists that are like equally, if not like better than like, way your, better, you're hundred like, times better. Yeah, and like yeah. the musicality of it. The players and everything, they're so good. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it's wasted here. Like, you go see, like, a band and it's, like, four dudes, like, just playing, like, guitar. It's so boring. Yeah. It's like, come on, like, give me something, like, primal. Give me something, like, more interesting. So it was, like, coming out of, like, that school of thought of, like, let's make it, like, interesting. Let's just not, like, make it the same thing over and over again all the time. Is that what kind of led, like, because was it, Grunge was, like, three years after, was it? Gunge. Gunge, yeah. Oh, Gunge? Yeah. Gunge, Fuck yeah. me, my no, eyesight's bad. <laughs> I was convinced no, it was li- Grunge. Literally, everyone says the same thing, you know, like all the time, so don't worry about oh, it. Fuck me. But like, it's it. The, I felt when I was listening to it, like there's more kind of, especially when I was listening to Skint this morning, like it, there's like a lot more experimentation. It's also more aggressive, I would have thought. Yeah. And a bit more interpersonal as well. Definitely, yeah. Like before that, it would have been like I was writing like very like, observational based like stuff you know like about being on buses and just around people and then yeah I never wanted to write about my own life because I thought it wasn't very interesting but I got to a point where writing about my own life was definitely like helping me in my own life so I just said well you know I might as well like let people hear it (laughs) see see what happens (laughs) um yeah but like that was like another thing like so like Gunge was like the foray into like adding in different things like that was the first introduction of like saxophone and like maybe like a couple of shakers and stuff like that something like a little bit different um and like now it's like the newer stuff now again is is just challenging like what can i do now like that's more different again mm. like i'm always thinking like what's next like in the pipeline you always have to be like thinking like what can i do that's just different like i always want i'd never want to be bored you get to a certain point and you see like a lot of bands who do really well and they just like you know, the difficult second, difficult second or like third second album. second album. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the it's like total it, like yeah. shit. Just like, <laughs> we've made it. Fuck you. You're going to buy it anyway. We're just going to do exactly what we did last time. And like, that's like such a fucking terrible way to be. You should always be like, what is like, what can I do? That's totally different. You know, like, always want to be challenging yourself constantly. 
No, because there are some bands that have been getting away with for fucking mer- like for it's years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's actually unbelievable. Do you know, it was, it was like it. one of my favorite bands now for I loved them for so long, and they changed. They ch- mixed it up quite a bit. Uh, Death Heaven mixed it up quite a bit, and then on their last album, they decided to make like a fucking Smiths album where there's no <laughs> screaming on it at all. And I sh- and, I, and I was and I I listened to it and I was like. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't like them anymore. They changed too much. I I, my, I, he loved I it. My Hugo thought it was fucking excellent. He was I like, think this he's is. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, what is the what is this? It's like a shoegaze. They're like Oh, Death Heaven. I love it. Yeah. So they made a fucking like a shoegazy. Like, but your like your man's vocals are kind of like they're clearly based on Morrissey. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, like, but I, I, but I like that because they're screaming on two songs, Mombasa and um, we need more another music one. that sounds like Morrissey that isn't Morrissey. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need just Morrissey. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> we need like first <laughs> okay. f- f- first two Smiths albums. You know, yeah, we need yeah. more of that anyway. Funny, my brother <laughs> loves him, and I tell stories about him being a plonker, and he's just like plonker. Fuck me, uh, plonker. <laughs> but just like even like <laughs> what, what, what did he go on? Did he go on stage with like a UDL kind of badge or something like that? And, I was, and if any. He goes, I don't believe he did that. And I was like, he did do that. There's fucking photos of it. He goes, ah, I don't believe it. <laughs> from Marcy, yeah. yeah. Marcy was the, the original dickhead. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. One, one of my favorite dickhead stories about Marcy was that for Penguin Classic, when he released his autobiography, he said that he won't give it to them unless they put the Penguin, Penguin Classic symbol on it, which is like Jane Eyre, Shakespeare, yeah, all yeah. this kind of stuff. So it's kind of a thing that you kind of have to earn. And he was like, no, I, you, no, I, I want it on straight it. away because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a classic. That's kind of funny. I mean, listen, like, it's that's the most fuck. Why do you do always it, have get these? It? You always have these it? terrible. You got it. You always have these terribly annoying it. takes. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. Like, it's like, like, see if you can get away. With, like, it's like fucking peg was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it, see if they can make a classic. Like, is it like just for the laugh? And he's like, oh shit, they actually did it. I suppose <laughs> it is. I suppose it is. Like, kind of like it's that. It's it's that easy. It's that easy to get a penguin on your fucking book. Like, like yeah, like Frankenstein, Jane Eyre, Morrissey's on So stupid. I don't think. I don't think. Not saying it's worthy of. But I just think it's like for the fucking laugh, he definitely was just like, I'm gonna Oh, you would that. be laughing, like, well, you'd be laughing at the bank after you got it as well. Oh, uh, <laughs> just such a wanker. I can't stand Morrissey. Yeah. Oh, he's a prick. He's a fucking. Um, <laughs> so, actually, sorry, speaking of uh, bands. Uh, speaking of pricks. How did you, how did you, how did you get, go about, like, because when did you start? Did you, did you play Skins live? You did, you must have played it live a few yeah, times. Like, yeah. Not a lot of people know, but like doing this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long time. Let his youthful boyish charm fool you. Yeah. Uh, no, like I when I when I when I when I did the 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 mixtape or whatever you want, like the mini album, or whatever. I released it and uh, it it like did really well. Like I like it kind of like it like had a small blow up if you want to call it like on the internet. Like people really enjoyed it. Um, and I and like at that point, like I just released it. And I sent it out to a few blogs and I didn't really think anyone would like take it up or anything but um it ended up doing like kind of well and then all of a sudden i was getting like a lot of requests from people being like hey like heard the thing really wants you to play this big show like come like support like all this kind of stuff and i was like oh shit <laughs> i did this i played everything myself <laughs> and i have i don't know anyone who's a musician so i had like no band but uh i knew like a couple of people who like one of my uh, best friends like jack he he played drums so like he, I think he played drums on like two songs on like uh, Skin. So he played on like um, uh, what did he play on? Um, Chair Kicker, and he played on something else as well. Two Skins, I think. And uh, so I got him to play drums, and then I met a guy in college called Sean Bean, and he was playing bass for me for a while. But it was a total like just piss take. Like we were so shit. It was unbelievable. Like we played like small like gigs around the place, um, 
and it was just like very it was very punk it was very just like get up here like do the song just like fuck you and then like (coughs) go off um and so we did that for like a long time like played with a couple of different people like had a rotating bass player for like a while in the band and then during like covid then just before covid like that it all just kind of disbanded the bass player was going to move to germany and all this kind of stuff so it's kind of left and then i was left with like nothing and then that's where the, that's where the Googler comes into it right the now. Googler. The guy sitting in the nice suit beside us that you can't see. I'm the Googler. We'll get a I, photo for the for the gram. Uh, <laughs> I had like this EP recorded uh, and I wanted to put it out even though I had no band. And uh, I put it out and I got like, I think I, I fronted the money for like 300 records or something like that. And uh, they weren't selling. And uh, <laughs> I remember like Zach messaged me on Instagram and he was the manager in Tower Records at the time. And he was like, we had opened for Monkey before that. Um, like a show like they got us to open for the Instagram social yeah and it was honestly I remember I remember saying to the guys afterwards it was one of the nicest experiences we ever had as an opening band like I've been an opening band for like years like I've been doing like the shittest shows ever for years with the shittest bands and uh, we did like an opening show for Monkey and they were so nice they had a writer there with like beer for us they had guitar strings <laughs> there they had fucking like everything like laid out I'll never forget and they were like yeah you guys just like have whatever you want you know you do whatever you want we opened for them and I was talking to Zach and like the guys from like Monkey at the time and that's how we met originally and they were such lovely guys I remember I was so enamoured that they had opened up for the meat puppets oh, yeah. like we were like at the time like I was I was, I think I was only what was it then like 20 maybe yeah. something like that and I was like, oh my oh, God, shit, these guys. This was the fucking, this was the EP launch then. This yeah. must have been, yeah. I, yeah, I, it was for that, I yeah. saw you then. <laughs> yeah, it was the Grand Social, yeah. Like, not, no, probably no one remembers it. We were, we were fucking terrible. Oh, I love but, that. Uh, no, I just, yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember it, but uh, certain other things that were going on that night that kind of fucked it. But um, was it Fat White Family were that year? That no, it was, uh, what was the, fa- the Family Dog. Fat the fa- family. <laughs> <laughs> fat White Family, yeah. 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 We played with Fat White Family. Fat White Family. They were, they, they were the first support, by the way. Oh, the Family Dog. Oh, the family dog. In the interest yeah. of you know being nice, let's move past. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all move past what happened there in the in the green room. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we opened up yeah. for Zach, and uh, we, I met him then, and I was like totally enamored. Like I was like, these guys are like fucking gods. Like they've opened up for the Meat Puppets. Like they've been on tour. You know, like at that point, like I hadn't played outside Dublin. Like I was just like such like I was a young kid. Like I didn't really know anything. And then like a couple of years went by. Like COVID happened. Like so no one was doing anything. And like I just got a message out of the blue from Zach on Instagram and he was like, hey, I'm the manager at like Tower Records, man. You want to, I saw you like did some records. You want to bring them down? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll bring them down. Like I've only sold like 10. So uh, <laughs> might as well. So I brought them down and uh, I remember chatting to him and we were just like chatting outside, having a smoke. And he said to me like, so what are you doing now? And I was like, man, I'm doing nothing. I've got like no, like everyone's gone. Like I've got like no band. I've got like nothing going on. And I was like, I'm, I'm actually like thinking about, you know, trying to put together a new band. But I was like, I don't know anyone. And he just goes, oh, I'll play guitar for you. And I, was, <laughs> I was just like, really? And he was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything either. What were you like? What, what was your thought process at the time? I was like, I just like, I'm like my only re- the reason I asked you to support at the gig was because I just loved your tunes. Oh, I thank you I'd so seen much. I think I somewhere as well. I was like, this guy's a fucking savage because I love that like punky, like three piece, just fucking. And then he did like a cover of like Joy Division. Uh, oh, yeah, we used to do this disorder. Yeah. Disorder, yeah. And I was like, guys fucking what a like especially at the time i don't know it was just like i was like bands would cover songs but they'd never cover like something like that I was yeah like, we, we even though it's not like it's an obscure tune but like i don't know i was like oh these guys and then uh and then yeah like you came to the shop i was like it's like fuck it yeah i was like i just i, I just had like i'd gone through like a fucking crazy like lockdown as we all had and i'd gotten like meditating and stuff and like was starting to like piece my life back together my brain back together after like 
losing. I didn't even drink or anything. Like, I barely did. Like, <laughs> you did the opposite of what I did. Yeah, like, the first <laughs> and thing, me. And that's what made it worse was that I was like, I just feel like I'm going insane and I haven't touched a substance in like three months or whatever, oh. you know. Um, and like, just, just, just the whole whatever. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do that. And here we are. This is one of the best. Here we are. It was one, one of the, the fucking. I ever had. The best that. fucking thing that ever happened was meeting Zach yeah. at that fucking. I, I remember that day as well. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to drop out the records because I think I had something else to do. And I was like, oh, well, I just cancel it. And I'm so glad <laughs> I didn't cancel it. I Jesus thought, fucking. Can you imagine the difference now? <laughs> I know. It'd be mad. Like, yeah, definitely. That was like a pivotal like moment in my life. Oh, Never mind right. anything else. Meeting Zach, yeah, we're going to talk about it now. Like, it's, uh, it's a pivotal moment, like meeting Zach at that that time. Yeah, it was it was mad. So, how are you introduced to the rest of the members then? So, Aina, I actually, Aina, who's the bass player for for Skinner, like I'd met him. Um, we used to play in a band together in secondary school. Mm. We used to play in a band called uh, the Vaminos, and um, basically, I think I'd I had left like that name. <laughs> yeah, I left that band to. To, to pursue a solo folk career <laughs> which, which as you can see did not work out straight out of a 60s Beatles straight out I thought it was some like you know a fucking hillbilly troubadour catching fucking trains or something like that no um, but uh, I like Aina was like a bass player so like I remember I, I rang him and I was like yeah like you know like I'm just looking for someone to play bass um, I was wondering would you be interested and then he said yeah so I think he was the the first you 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 were the first you would come in with me in the studio and we yeah, would yeah. we would go over like the parts for the songs and then like it was just literally me and Zach for like a couple of months rehearsing parts and then like I would always be asked, oh, man do you know anyone who like plays because <laughs> like I knew like you have to like understand like I knew no one how was that possible though when if you were if you were gigging for so much because I had only known people who were like who were like living in like the the area that I lived in like, oh, okay oh, there, okay but, like, yeah. Uh, that's like I ha- I didn't have any I didn't have friends in the music industry I didn't have like mm. other musicians I didn't know other bands like I was so painfully shy as like a as a teenager and in my early 20s like I was so withdrawn from everything that like when people would come up to me I would like just be really like quiet and reserved so like I was so shy for so many years and um, that I, I just I, I basically blown like a load of like chances to make friends so I didn't know anyone so right. Zach, like meeting Zach was like so because he knew everyone <laughs> like he just yeah. knew like so many people going to a music festival with Zach is quite hilarious because you go every 10 minutes and somebody goes Zach how are, how are you doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy um, smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like I met Aina and then Aina like agreed to play bass so I think the three of us did a couple of rehearsals without a drummer and then we cycled through like a lot of drummers to like try and find someone eventually I think what I did was in the end I went on Instagram and I went through like a lot of like different Instagram pages trying to find drummers who were like, bass. I think I was typing like Dublin drummer and stuff like that, trying to find people. And I just came across this guy. On <laughs> this guy. This guy. This guy. On Instagram. <laughs> and like he had all these drum covers up of like King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. And he was playing. I wonder like, who it could be. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. And then he had like this, he was, he did like this drum cover of like Doorman by like Slow Tie. It's the only I song by Slow Tie, yeah, that, that, that I like. But like, he played it and the power in the drumming was just unbelievable. It was like fucking like shattering like walls. It was like, it was amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I need to like try and like get this guy for rehearsal because up until that point, the people we had been playing with were such light touches that like just, they, it's not that they were bad drummers, you know, like it, they were- to Harry Fox. Shout out to Harry Fox, fucking he's, amazing he's drummer. Drum, he plays in the Harry Fox quartet and yeah. assists and stuff. He's, he's savage, but he's not- He's a fucking unreal drummer. Yeah, yeah. Unreal drummer, drummer, yeah. 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 Absolutely. They just weren't hitting it hard. And, like, it's just, just like the, the, for, the, for, the, for the kind of music that it was, it needed like the, the hard hit and like 
less tech like not 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 less technicality but just like a really hard hit and like power and like i remember i brought like freddie in for a rehearsal we did like just like it was just me and him and it was just like straight away like yeah, he smashes you are, that kid <laughs> you are amazing please 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 play with I, me please. i think i was watching with chris dardis at the button factory show I was like, is he trying to break that trunk? Yeah. It's it's honestly flat. Like it's just like my mouth is like genuinely like open. Like I remember we had other voices, and uh, we played like the second gig in the Marina oh. Inn, and there was like there was no mics on the drum. There was no mics on the drums, and the, I remember the sound. Which, which going, probably in the Marina was it? It was the Marina. Yeah. That's the one. Just that's one as you're driving in past the aquarium, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It was the Marina, and I remember just the sound guy going, "Yeah, like it's a small venue, and you know, there's not many of that mics. You know, you might have to hit them a bit quieter." I just remember looking at Freddie and we both pissed ourselves laughing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I remember saying, like, you think you go a bit quieter? And, and he was like, no. And I was like, yeah. Wasn't and, it like the, the first thing he said after the was like, I tried. Yeah, yeah, I tried. <laughs> like I tried. He's like trying. is like Dave Grawl, <laughs> like full, like pelt. It's yeah. it's like, it's ridiculous. Have you ever actually, just a side note, uh, have you ever seen Igor, Igor Calvera drum? I've never seen Igor Calvera. He's the drummer for Sepultura. He used to break cymbals. He was hitting them. Sepultura. Sepultura. Un, dos, tres. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But he used to break cymbals as he was playing and just have them trained. That's Freddie Treble right there. Like, he would break... How do you do that with a wooden stick? I don't know. It's, 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 It's incredible. Like, if you ever... There's a few, like... Connor Began, who's like done photography, like he's stood beside him, like taking like videos and pictures. Yeah. And like he's just saying, like I remember him just saying to me, like he's just like laying into the drums. Like it's not like, it's like most drummers like use their wrists, like Freddie uses like his entire like body and his weight to like play into them. And you can tell that like it's such an impactful sound from like the way it comes out. Like mm. it's amazing. It's incredible. I remember seeing fucking, was it Roar? Yeah, actually. So about, do you know No Spill Blood? Yes. Yeah. yeah so when I see them and like Roar, we would have been, we would have, been friends and when we were in college together but he's the drummer and I was trying to get a video of him drumming one time I was at a gig and his hand in the video just appeared perfectly still because he was moving so fast oh, wow. that it just looked like he was just his hand that's because my my capture like speed couldn't keep fingers. up with it like oh it's fucking ridiculous like very they're actually we're not, well, we don't have to do them. We won't gig promote, but they are playing a gig soon. We should go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, wait. Have you seen? Have you ever seen them live? I've before? never seen them live. I know. I know them. They're though, loud yeah. as yeah. fuck. And like, I remember because um, they've no guitar. It's it's all it's a synth instead of a guitar. Yeah, yeah. But I remember because they're big into like noise and all that kind of stuff. They had a noise artist on before who I thought was amazing, but it was, was just I can't remember the name. Oh, but okay, I remember the gig okay. it was in Battle Bar uh, about two years ago. But. Um, might or are like you right before pandemic? Might have been right, right have been right before pandemic. You were at it. I was at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, George was at it as well. Yeah. George went. Oh no, it was during pandemic then. Yeah, well, George was there, wasn't yeah, he? George yeah. was there, but um, what was it? But they, but they had this noise, but it was just this kind of like screaming, and then just, and I was like, this is amazing. They turned to, a, <laughs> yeah. I turned to the table, and they were all just sitting at the table, just with their pints, just going, we don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. But so, um, yeah, so, well, so that's recruiting the band. Actually, what, what was the first gig you played with the full band then? The first gig we played with the full band, it was actually, it was one of those gigs with, um, during COVID where it was seated in the Workman's, I think it was in September, oh, September last year. Oh, wait, I was at that one. Yeah, you were at that yeah, one, yeah. yeah. And everyone just said in <laughs> yeah, the middle of it, yeah, seats. fuck the seats. <laughs> we don't give a fuck. And I remember like that was such a nice experience for all of us because at that point we were all just fucking sick of it we were like fuck this shit you know um, the thing is so um, you're probably not aware of this uh, I was at do you remember when Jess Brennan threw a gig in uh, Berlin Bar do I remember So I say that again do you remember you know Jess Brennan she was yes. the influencer there was a night where she threw this brunch 
at the Berlin it, bar. Are you talking about the, how the Berlin bar got shut down? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do remember so that. So if yeah. you look at the footage of that... so Are you there? You yes, legend. I am you there. Fucking so legend. what happened was, we tell the Berlin bar story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> which, by the way, I don't think has... I don't think it's been on... The, oh, no, we mentioned it briefly in the podcast, but I didn't mention, like, the kind of ins and outs of I was just after knocking over my stand. But, um... So what happened was, was I was going to have a party at my house in Stillorgan, which I always do every year. I always have a party at the house in Stillorgan every year. Yeah. Um, and then I invited a bunch of people and realized that it's like, oh, shit, it's deep into pandemic. We can't do this. This would just be completely irresponsible. It was kind of bad out even setting it up on Facebook to invite everybody. Yeah. But, um, so... And, and uh... So I was like, oh shit, we can't do it. Made a huge post about want to be responsible, want to be, you know, adhering to the rules, not being a dick. Sorry, no, my chair is just stuck underneath the wire. God damn it. His chair is stuck under the wire. <laughs> but I uh, just wanted to be like, you know, adhering to the rules, being basically be just being a decent person. And uh, so it was like, called the party off. And then Chloe, a friend of mine was like, Jess Brennan is hosting this brunch at Berlin Bar for it's like a baked potato and a Cosmo or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 if only it was that bar. If only it was that. And I like was... Tom Waits lyric. And I, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, so what is it? Like, what time do we go? Is if we go at like two or something and just wear a wacky shirt, uh, which would be the... Anyway, so we went and I was like, oh, this actually is quite nice. And then like the more we kind of... The weird thing is, I will say this, it kind of got like there's a photo there's a video of me taking a shot which is like does not look good at all especially during that it really wasn't good but the whole thing of your man on the on the the fucking the counter porn we didn't see any of that so I didn't see any of this shit I didn't see any of the real matters we saw we saw people but we saw people breaking protocol and all that kind of stuff but didn't see people doing that level of shit but see the thing is so I got drunk and stayed over a friend a friend of mine's house my phone went out of power met up with my friend's for a for a pint the next day and uh no for a pint and lunch in Pmax and uh my friend Ali was like uh she's like oh Jesus what a bunch of morons they're at that Jess Brennan thing and I was just like <laughs> and I was like I was like what Jess Brennan thing and she's like did you not see the news about Jess Brennan thing in Berlin bar a bunch of fucking morons ruined like basically broke every rule under the sun about COVID and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And, uh, I, went, I went very pale. And, uh, they, they were just, and all I could see is my friend Haley just going, Bar, please tell me you weren't at that night. And literally on the front page of the paper <laughs> is you. me. And on Twitter, the photo that they're, the video that they're sharing is me in the shirt. And all the comments were about how much I look, how much of a twat I looked like. Awful. So- <laughs> Awful. Like, oh, so my God. Like, the biggest, the biggest crime was his fucking sense. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Like, Bar. Like, told to wear a weird this shirt this is amazing <laughs> this is fucking amazing like it was the best day it was one of the best days of my life it was one of the worst days of mine I was like, I'm like ne- <laughs> I was like I'm never going to be able to go out ever again where did the, I just, why did I tell the story I can't remember the, the jumping off point yeah you did I can't remember oh yeah during COVID because we played the show during COVID that oh was yeah, yeah, yeah 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 oh, I was talking, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was the first show Yeah. so so, w- so when that show happened I had a video of the crowd reacting I was like I'm not posting this actually because yeah, I've already been at one I think at that point no one really fucking no gave cared, a shit no anymore. Cared. Like they were just like, yeah, we're fucking see C- a seated gay. Yeah, like for that kind of music, it's just like. What it's was ridiculous. the local boy was a support, wasn't it? Yeah. Local boy, yeah, Jake. Yeah. Shout out Jake. Yeah, he Represent. was on the, was on the podcast last week. Shout out Nick as well. The Who Art Thou Cinematic Universe. Oh, Jake! Now, yeah, he's he's the only guest to be on twice. 
Yes, he was on twice. Well, besides yourself, but like we have like a proper show Mark on Foster. it. So Foster has been on a few times as well. Yeah. <laughs> the Barrett Carlin Cinematic Universe just keeps expanding. <laughs> who, 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 who am I in the Barrett Carlin Cinematic Universe? Like which? You're Clark Kent. You're Clark definitely Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Yeah. Wears Oops. a suit during the day, fucking rips it off, goes <laughs> in a fucking Superman costume at night, <laughs> saving babies from fires. I don't know. Have you listened to the new Sizz album yet? Haven't listened to it. No, I, heard, I haven't heard Phoebe Bridgers' song on it either. Oh, Phoebe Bridgers has a song on it. Yeah, it's yeah. weird because it's like um, the Phoebe Bridgers one. If you if you if you knew what all the songs, a description of all the songs, you wouldn't have put her. You'd, you'd have put her on the more emo ones. But yeah. like she's on a kind of more normal SZA. Emo SZA songs. There's like two proper like pop punky emo. Oh. One of them pure sounds like an early like like uh, what's that? Uh, Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne's like. I need to listen to this. Yeah. yeah. But it's a great tune. And it's, a, it's quite long though. The only thing is like there's so much on it. It's like an hour and eight minutes. And it's like is it a breakup songs. album? Yeah, I mean it's SZA. So it's always kind of some sort of like heartbreak or infatuation. I've never listened like, to her properly. That sounds belittling. It's like, it's unbel- I love. No, 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 sir. Sure. write that shit, but it's real. It's like good. Um, yeah, yeah, when it's shit, it's really yeah. shit though. <laughs> he never loved me. Um, what was it? Uh, or it's actually, actually it's when guys do it as well. What was that fucking Robin Thicke album? The Apology to His Wife. Um do you, you ever hear do you ever listen to that album he no. made a whole ab- so his wife divorced him kind of following the blurred oh, like, lines and yeah fuck me do you know i i never realized how bad it was until no fielding did a bit on it on the big fat quiz of the year and they kind of just summarized it very quick i was just like oh my god this was the song that you heard everywhere yeah, it was everywhere. Did you experience that at all? Were you? I don't even you know probably, what you're talking about. Oh my god! Oh, I was, I was, I was about to say this is probably what he's. So Aaron probably blocked out during the years we wasn't listening to the radio. He, probably, he blocked out. <laughs> he, he blocked out the, L- the dark ages. He blocked, he blocked out. He blocked out LMFAO. He blocked out blurred lines. You, you got to hear Happy, though, with Daft Punk. Oh, my well, fucking hell. <laughs> Sound of the summer, if you get a chance to listen to it, Limmy. <laughs> yes. Do you not know? Do you not know about Blurred Lines? No, well, I know the song. It was a oh, song, yeah, the song with, yeah, okay, okay. It was, I know Emily Ratajkowski's in the video. I know that she's new that in the, the video. Fucking, and in what's fr- it called? Someone's sued Ed Sheeran over yeah. and all that shit. Or, yeah, uh, Marvin Gaye. Marvin, Marvin Gaye. Gaye. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Who also they also sued Ed Sheeran. Yeah, so, yeah. Did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, for having the similar groove to "Let's Get It On." Yeah, the song. Anyway, just t- tell me what happened. I'm intrigued. So, so basically, they run through. But like, if you listen to the song, listen to the lyrics. It's basically a girl going like, "I don't want to have sex with you," and he keeps going. Come on. I know you and want she, me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, come on. It reminds me what of that, like, do you ever see that Family Guy sketch where it's like, um, what is it? It's like Sean Connery's James Bond. And he's like, have sex with me. And she's like, no. And he goes, have sex with me. And she's like, no. And then he goes, have sex with me. And she goes, okay, fine. And he goes, see, 1,000 no's and one yes still means yes. Oh, Jesus It reminds Christ. me, that, that's how yeah, creepy that, that song that, is. That song, in a way, is, like, important because it was, I feel like that's one of the, like, in the history books, it'd be like, Me Too movement, so fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. important. We have to reach the, like, point of, like, ah, lads. This is this but, is too far now. Like this song Pharrell, is really but you know Pharrell Williams wrote a good bit of it. and He yeah. got kind of scot free from people it. Weren't, people were I don't like. I'm not saying that they like are like are. I don't know that they're predators or anything. I'm not saying that, but like it's just, just ill-advised like, lyrics. The type of music that we would have like grown up when we were teenagers that was on is so either just talking about tonight's the night, let's party, yeah, woo, like it's the last night, yeah, the ceiling can't hold us, put our hands Like up, the ceiling you know. can't hold us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, honestly, you hear all, the, all those songs, they all have the same lyrical, okay, the song's about like, let's get twisted, let's get fucked up, you know, let's go to the club. And then like, also there were songs about like, yeah, you sexy bitch, damn, she's a sexy bitch, all this stuff. 
and that was the like song where it was like yeah we can't keep doing yeah, these no. like derogatory so, so what, yeah what, sexy what, bitch like, was actually sorry sexy, <laughs> you know, sexy, sexy bitch was really bad yeah, all of those songs that were, like we hear in like teenage discos and like nightclubs and we're like, Damn, they're all terrible Kevin Rudolph <laughs> Do you know what the annoyingly enough because I listened to gold so much afterwards to get to give myself a laugh because I was like this sounds terrible it came up on my Spotify wrapped as like my 98th <laughs> song of the year that I listened to the most but anyway with Robin Thicke so basically he had that song then he had the thing with Mighty Cyrus where basically she twerked on him when she had that the elasticated thing when she was going through a, <laughs> when she was going through a weird phase but um, so he had that and then uh, supposedly he was like cheating on her or whatever. I don't know. But um, she she divorced him. And uh, Wait, Miley Cyrus was. In no, 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 no. There's the, oh, the, wife, they performed the, the before the VMAs, I think. And there's a very infamous thing where they perform Blurred Lines and she twerks on him. It's what the one she kept doing the tongue thing. But um, yeah, so he so she divorced him and then he made an apology album. Uh, but and it was a whole Take Me Back album, and she still didn't get back with them. Good, <laughs> good. She's a smart woman. <laughs> but uh, I think my next question is like, like uh, back to you, <laughs> the guest. Uh, what was the like? What was the writing process going into Commander Trainwreck that that EP? Because like I saw that now I do believe it or not I do actually research the guest a little bit before they come on. No way. Uh, yes, I swear to God. And I saw that there was I don't know you were doing an interview where you were saying that. You kind of, when you write, you write a line and then kind of bank the line and then sometimes just grab it and go, oh, it fits in here. You yeah. don't actually sit. Is that not a very, is that not, does that not take fucking ages to write a song? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question, Mark, because it fucking does. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, like I don't write every song like that, but like a lot of times, like I have like a basically a list of notes on my phone and then I carry around a notebook as well where I will write down like a lot of the songs when I started writing after it was I think it was like Gunge my writing process revolved around like hearing something funny thinking of something funny or thinking of something like really self-deprecating writing it down it's like a phrase or a line or a word and then writing an entire song based on that phrase line or word okay so a lot of those songs were written in that kind of vein so it was using like one phrase and being like okay this is what the song it, like like I liked a lot of bands who weren't very literal so like if you take like Interpol's first album, like they're, the lyrics in that mm. make absolutely no sense, but they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And then like I, I took the entirely different route. I like the title was what the song was about. And I'm trying to like now go away from that. So try to write like more like uh, abstractly and stuff. But um, yeah, at that time period, I was like taking like funny like things. So like the, the term Commander Trainwreck was really funny to me because mm. I remember like I was going through like a difficult period and I was like, oh, I'm such a fuck like what's like like commander train wreck it was exactly how i felt at the time so i just wrote that down and i was like that's really funny because i find like if you can't make fun of yourself in those situations like the song tends to just come out as being really serious and like holy shit is this guy okay you know what i mean self-deprecating self-deprecating whereas like a lot of the times when you're going through like difficult periods in your life they are actually quite funny when you look back on them Hmm. like the things that you do and it was trying to like poke sense at that kind of like or like poke humor, that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I'm sitting around like in my fucking jocks all day because I'm unemployed. I have absolutely nothing going on in my life. And like, 
what can I do about this? I'll write a funny song about it. Like it was just kind of funny. Cause you saw, you described again from the same thing. It was like, it was a slump was like a slap in the face to mm. just laughing at the absurdity of being upset with yourself. Is it or something along those lines? Yeah. Like I remember like it was the first, I was really getting into like disco and no wave and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to write a song that encapsulates this. And it was like trying to like write something that was like, everyone goes through those periods where like, I'm not like unique in any sense of form where like you have those periods where you're just like, God, like everything is just fucking shit mm. and it was like trying to encapsulate that in a song where it wasn't morbid and it wasn't like depressing it was like yeah it's awful let's like dance to it let's have like fun to it like it was trying to like do something like that where like i'm in a slump but like you know i'm gonna fucking like dance around and stuff so it was like trying to do something like that who slapped you the worst in the music video for it <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> everyone it was honestly it was difficult to uh to gauge Difficult to gaze. There were well, so many participants. Because the cheek would have been quite sore and then somebody, once you slap again, you kind of get an added advantage of the pain, yeah. I would imagine. So. <laughs> we, we shot that video. I had the idea to do it because when I wrote the song, I was like, the snare sounds like the sound of like slapping bare skin. And I was like, oh, what can I do that's kind of funny? I was like, it's, it's kind of like, the song is nearly like about like being slapped in the face like every, every minute of every day. So I was like, it'd be really funny if the entire video was me physically like it, they're all they're all real slaps by the way like physically oh, i know they slapped. are <laughs> he sent me a video yeah. and I, was like, <laughs> I was like is there some bdsm thing going on in ours today <laughs> to be honest all the music videos end up in some way hurting myself which is really funny but like i think that that's part of like the like i, I really love performance art but I'm there was like huge. fucking 16 versions of you getting slapped at high school yeah like we, we shot it in my friend's kitchen shout out robin curtis legends <laughs> we shot it in their kitchen during covid as well i think it was in like december and uh Basically, I had all my childhood friends who were my mates. I said to them, I remember I rang them each individual. And I was like, look, I'm, I want to do this music video. It's kind of a bit weird. I need you to slap me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to slap me in the face repeatedly. Um, would you be okay with that? And basically, I, you, they couldn't have said yes quicker. <laughs> they were basically... Wait for this moment. I all our like, friendship. <laughs> we were shooting it and everyone was like warming their hands up and like rolling up their sleeves. So like we took turns, like one person after another would like come and slap me. And I think at the end of it, it was like six or seven hours of being slapped in the face. And uh, What? Over was that long? Industry. Yeah, it was that yeah. long. And it was funny because it was shot during COVID, like during like really strict like lockdowns. But like, um, like the fellas who I shot it with, they all had lived in the house together. So it was grand. But um, we, I remember we all, <laughs> we, everyone, every, everyone was drinking. And like everyone's like drinking and partying like during the whole shoot, except me. I was st like stone cold sober, so like everyone was absolutely like fucked. And they were just coming up, and like it started off their being like strength and shit. As no, well. no, it started off like really light, like you know, okay. like a couple of like little like taps, and then as soon as like a few cans <laughs> deep, it was like I can vision it this already. is for when we were thirteen. And you kicked me in the balls, bam! <laughs> you know, like it was like straight away, just like really aggressive slapping. And uh, the funniest part about it was that. One guy there, um, I won't name his name. He's <laughs> he's featured. He, he's head of the fan club. He's yeah, featured yeah. in many many things. We won't name his name. He actually had COVID the entire time. Oh no! And I hadn't had COVID at that point, but like, um, he had COVID the whole time, and he was slapping me in the face the entire night, like over and over again, coughing on his hands, like slapping me in the face, <laughs> drinking cans, <laughs> spilling shit everywhere, and uh, basically everyone at that shoot, I think it was like I maybe like seven or eight of us ended up getting COVID except me. I was the only one who didn't get COVID. So the patient entire... Zero. Yeah, patient zero. The entire 
the entire like film shoot was like wiped out by that one guy who's really funny. I've never had it either, weirdly enough. I've never, never had never it. Never had it, no. Wow. What? I know. I should definitely have got it. Um, oh, you've definitely had I've it. never had it. I swear to God. Um, <laughs> how did... So, actually, in terms of writing, how did Dog Days come about? Uh, Dog Days came about because during, like, again, like, a lot of these songs, I'm going to reference the lockdown because they were written during that time period or just before that time period and then I pieced them together properly. But during that lockdown, I was doing nothing, like, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I was writing, like, just trying to write when I, whenever I could and I... Basically, me and my dad, because there's nothing else to do, like we would sit together and we would watch like old movies that he had watched when he was like, uh, like maybe like my age and like when he moved, he was he's from like the country and like he moved to Dublin, he was like 17. So we watched like a bunch of like old movies that like he had watched when he was a kid. So we watched like, The Deer Hunter and we watched like The Shining. We watched all those movies that would have been like classics when like mid 80s Dublin, stuff like that. Yeah. And then he said, have you ever seen like Dog Day Afternoon? And I was like, no, I've never seen Dog Day Afternoon. And it's like, oh, you should like to see this movie. I'd only seen Al Pacino in like Heat. So like that was like, my only It's a good one to see him in. Yeah. So yeah. Not, not, not you see Scent one. of a Woman? Or as my dad calls it, Scent of Your One. Yeah. So I'd only see, like, I'd only, I'd only seen him play like, you know, like a, like a cop or like, you know, like a, a criminal, like all this kind of stuff. So I remember I watched that movie with him and like seeing him play that role at that time period specifically and how good the acting was. There's no music. Super progressive film. The well. only music is like Elton John, like Amarina, like in the intro. That's the only like music played throughout. So like seeing him like acting that and the way it was shot and like the 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 theme of the the whole thing was so inspiring for me that I had this, I had this piece of music that I'd been like writing and I didn't have any lyrics for it. And it was originally like a disco tune and I like pieced together a few lyrics. And then after that movie, I like wrote like a story that was like based on that like movie about that and uh, I just put it to that song and it didn't work so I then rewrote the song to be like a weird I wanted to sound like um, like I don't know like skeletons playing jazz or something like that so like <laughs> I, re- I rewrote it to- <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I rewrote it to sound it's like it's weirdly pacific yeah. it? it makes total it sense makes total yeah. sense. but that's what I mean like you say you're just like wait what the fuck <laughs> I wanted to sound like that so like I rewrote the parts and uh, I, I, had, I had done a demo of the song with like electronic drums and um, I had it, I had that like written. It was it was much different to what the original, like the final version came out to. But um, I then was going to go record. I played drums. I think the slump had been released. So I played drums in the slump and I recorded it. And I was then going to go play drums in the rest of the record as well. Um, even though I'm shit at drumming, like I was terrible. I don't know what I was thinking. So I was renting out the studio from a mate of mine, Fieker Kinder. Shout out Fieker Kinder. <laughs> and uh, he was going to give me like the studio for the day. And I was bringing like my own engineer to like mic up the drums and I was going to play the drums for it and then I went to the studio and he was there and like he gave us the keys like yeah you can have it for the day and I was and he was like who's playing drums and I was like oh, I'm going to play drums and he was like oh like uh, you know like I can play drums for if you want like he's if you don't know who Fika Kinder is he's probably one of the best drummers of all time he played on Hosier's Take Me to Church uh, and like he's played on a lot of other things but um he owns like Avenue Road Studios he gave me the keys to the studio and he said like I can play like I can like just sit in on a few drums if you want I was like yeah like I played in the songs a couple of times you'd like heard them before like the demos and he just went in there and like knocked everything out like first take <laughs> it was unbelievable I remember just sitting there with Sean Cork and being like this guy is unbelievable so he ended up playing drums in the song and then like, oh, okay. I think that the drums on that song really made it because he was he's like a classically trained like jazz drummer and stuff like that and he's played like so many different genres so he was able to like slot in completely with that feel so he was the skeleton playing jazz and that. <laughs> where did the video come from actually 
The video came from, I bought this suit. <laughs> I bought this suit online, like an oversized suit, because I was obsessed with like It's the same heads. one you sent the photo of me to, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was obsessed photo. with talking heads, stop making sense. And I had this whole idea where I wanted it to be like similar to Dog Day Afternoon, but like taking like a modern twist in it. And uh, I had this uniform as well, that I had this Garda uniform that I got in a uh, charity shop in uh, Strokestown. <laughs> um, Where the this, fuck is Strokestown? Strokestown's in Roscommon <laughs> okay. Had this old Garda uniform That I got in the charity shop in Strokestown um, Like a full on vintage uniform I had like everything Yeah because it's a real uniform isn't it? It's a real uniform It's it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, like, it's a real uniform Yeah, yeah. You know my brother's a guard No way And I asked him the logistics of that He goes nah maybe not mention it <laughs> <laughs> Well we, we will say It was bought in a charity shop in Strokestown uh, In 2021 Well they're That's not wearing it know. anymore So it's fine Yeah exactly <laughs> And then, and then I said, it is vintage. So what? I, <laughs> it is. No, it's. I think it's from like the eighties. It's real. It's actually really nice, to be honest with you. I, I didn't say that, but um, I'm fucking wearing it around now. Yeah. Then, uh, so I had this idea for a video, and I wanted to make it like, kind of like a like a piss take. I, I really loved all the Beastie Boys videos, like the early ones they did in like the nineties and the eighties. Intergalactic is one of the best. Yeah, like stuff like that ever. where it was. It Spike was kind Jones of, directed that. Yeah, like yeah. So it was coming from that that point of view. Like I, I love skateboarding, so like I would have watched like a lot of skateboarding videos. Spike Jones would have like recorded a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. She did so his, Jackass and all that kind of his, carry on. Yeah, like his take on like that kind of thing was really interesting. So I was like, who will I get to play the guard? <laughs> <laughs> who, who will I get to play the guard? And I was like, Zach does not look like a guard in any way, no, shape, sure, or you, form. You're also you had to be clean shaven as yeah, a guard. Yeah, that's the funny it's thing. Dirty you, 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 you didn't always. So like, oh, did you not? Okay. I think that's where it came about. I was like, "Would you play the guard?" And then you said to me, "Like, oh, like will will I shave? Will I shave a dirty Ronnie?" Because like, if you ever look at like videos like reading the years like guards in the seventies, yeah. they all have Ronnies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we got you to shave the beard into a Ronnie, like, like a fucking video game creation character. It was just too fun. Like when he put the uniform on as well, he just changed completely. He was like proper in character the entire time. He does get it. Like did he, did he get a power? Did he had a power trip. He did have oh, a power yeah. trip. Power trip. And like we were filming it like outside. We filmed it in like Yellow Door Music Studios. Uh, we, we filmed like on the on the. On the <laughs> Sorry, is that where it's filmed? Yeah, it's filmed like in the in the, in the fucking car park out there. And we filmed. That's we filmed, hilarious. We filmed a bit I of thought a, you rented out some space. No, no, we didn't. Uh, we filmed it there. <laughs> it's filmed like half. It's filmed there, and then half it is filmed in the. I had a friend of mine who got a studio. He was amazed with the guy and he got the studio for free for the day. We filmed like the white part there, but like the majority of us filmed the yellow studio. And I remember like we were doing the scene where like Zach had me like on the bonnet of the car and like he was like just beating the shit out of me. And all these guys came over like, what's going on? What's going on? Because it, really? it looked so real. It looked like a scene from like the 70s of like, a guard kicking the shit out of some guy with like long like, hair. Walking down with their guitars and stuff and just like stopped like a deer in the headlights seeing me and like, I kind of noticed him at the corner of my eye, but like commitment to the art, you know, I was committing to the take. I was like, you know, just keep going, just keep, and it didn't stop. And it was going on for like the full verse. And then afterwards I had to like shout like, not a real guard, not a real guard. <laughs> We were like, oh, we're just filming a video. And they're like, I was like, but I was like, did it look real? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, sick, that's amazing. You got the shot. I was amazing. Really, that was the closest I've been worried that I was going to like ever, I don't know, go be on the internet for like, you know, police brutality or oh, something. Oh, that'd be you know fucking, I mean? could you imagine? Well, it'd be a oh. great viral campaign. We, <laughs> no, we, we, we did talk about using the uniform though to get into Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Because we, we were, when we were trying to get Phoebe Bridgers tickets, we were like, oh, will you dress up as the guard <laughs> and bring me in, <laughs> in the cuffs? <laughs> Connor shot that music video, didn't he? 
Connor Regan. Yeah. How Connor did you Regan. How did you meet him? Because like like I've seen obviously I've seen him at every show. Like he takes most, mm. if not all the. He takes everything, doesn't he? He does. Well, I I work with like a couple of different people. Like Connor does like a lot of like the 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 stuff. Like he's a really close friend of mine. And he's extremely extremely yeah, talented. He's so talented. Yeah, like he's unbelievable. He's also lovely as well. He's the nicest yeah, guy. He's so the nicest nice. guy fucking ever. Um, I I met him because he was in school with me. He was the year below me, and I would have known him. Like back then, I wouldn't have known him that well though. But he's actually my uh, my girlfriend's next door neighbor. Oh really? Which is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> he lives just over there. Like, he literally lives. Uh, he lives <laughs> up the road. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, so like, I think uh, I oh I do remember how I met. Him. I was gonna say I don't remember. How could I forget this? I remember I was coming home one night. I think I was drinking in town with you, Zach. Mm. I'm not sure. And I had a few pints. And I remember I fell asleep on the train home. <laughs> Because I was pissed And I got off the train I was like God I hope I don't meet Anyone on the walk home now <laughs> it's, like a fi- it's like a 20 minute walk From the train station To my house And I was like I just don't meet It was really cold at night as well I, was like, I hope I don't meet anyone It's like Saturday night Like 1am And I was walking down the road And I saw this guy Like stumbling like around And it was Connor Beacon <laughs> 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 He came like Running up to me And he was like He was pissed as well He's like Hey man how's it going Like You just want to say Like I love all your music He's like oh, I'd love to like Do something with you sometime and like I was like, oh, I really just want to go home. But I was like, I don't want to be rude. So I was like, I'll just stay chatting with him for a moment. And like we stayed chatting for like, I think three or four hours. Oh, wow. Until like 4 a.m. I was like, we sat on like a little like fence together outside the train station. We're like talking about like art and like music and video, all this kind of stuff. And like we realized that we had so much stuff in common and he was really interested in <clears> doing something different. He wanted to make like art. He didn't like he had done like a lot of like like commercial kind of promotional stuff. And he wanted to like make something like completely different where it was really just about making like art and not about like trying to like sell something or make something like really mm. like it. and I was like I'm in the same school as well I want to make something that is just purely like um, interesting for other people it's not like trying to sell anything to any, anyone like that so we clicked on that level straight away where it was more about making something that is just going to last like a long time instead of just shoveling out any old shit like you, we could easily have done like any music video where it's like you know four dudes playing in like a fucking like warehouse or whatever I'm sick and tired of those videos yeah like I they're really so... boring like you want to make something that is interesting for people so straight away we like clicked and he started coming to gigs and he started taking like videos of the gigs and pictures of the gigs and then we worked on like the slump music video together and then we did dog days and we've done like some more stuff as well so but even like it's something as simple as like because you're going on tour is, there's a tour for, when is the tour actually the tour is on Feb- I think February 2nd I think but even year. like the side scrolling thing that he did which isn't very simple but just having the photos organised in that particular way it's like yeah. those little things add a lot of more character to than just the regular gig also, <laughs> that man is such a such a fucking dedicated like Have photographer you, oh my like, god in, like, the little sis thing he was running back and oh, forth and fucking that. up I mean, this like, angle and that angle voices and staying in like the hotel like you know we get back and it was like two or something but like you know i think i uh, like i was the last one to fall asleep but i remember like he'd spend like an hour or two at like three in the morning just like editing photos really he doesn't yeah. sleep like he goes to sleep at like i think like four or five a.m like he's always awake no matter what like he'll text you at like four in the morning but hey man just wondering like do you want to do this like next week and like all this kind of stuff like, is he one of the lucky people that can function on five hours of sleep kind of yeah like yeah. he can he can he can do anything he can do anything all the time which is- <laughs> he's an amazing human but like yeah he's the kind of guy like a lot of photographers uh, I haven't like worked with really any of them most people that I've worked with have been like amazing like straight away but like I know a lot of bands and stuff they'll like work with a photographer and stuff and they'll be like weeks trying to get the photos off them and stuff Connor Began will send you the photos an hour after you finish the gig. What? Send you them that <laughs> night. He's he's unbelievable. He's a machine. Like he's just so he's so quick at editing. He's so like he's just he's an amazing Fuck guy. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. 
was incredible. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Well, so we're at the end of the part of the podcast now, whether we have a second part, don't worry, but this is where you kind of promote what you're doing next. And then the next part is where I ask you questions that I would ask you if you were drunk in a pub. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. If you're cool this. with that. I'm cool, yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, wait, I have one more question. We're going to wait till Zach comes in because Zach is facilitating it. But um, oh, I should, might as well ask one. He's not here, so I might as well ask the first one. Yeah, we're great. Uh, I always forget what they are. Um, oh, here's a question. What was the first and last album you ever bought? The first album. So if we're doing like, will we do physical records? Uh, well, yeah. Well, like I always say, it's like physical for yeah, physical, physical. Yeah, I'll okay. give it like like CD or vinyl, whatever, whatever way you yeah. want. The first record I bought, I think I was 16 at the time. And um, I went into that record shop in George's Arcade. I can't remember the name of it. I, I can't remember the name Oh of it. my God. You I know, know the exact, one, yeah, it's still it's, there. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's still in George's there. Arcade. Yeah. I went in there and uh, I think I was just getting into like folk and stuff at that time when I was into Bob Dylan. My dad's a huge Bob Dylan fan. So I remember just going to the Bob Dylan section and picking out a record. And the first record that came out was the very, very first album that he did, which was basically, it's, it's just self-titled, it's called Bob Dylan. I think he was only like 20 when he recorded it. And it's all... Is that all he was when he did his first one? Yeah. No one knows about it though, because like the freewheeling came out then and then like, I think that was the big album for him. But it's basically, <clears throat> there's no original songs on it. They're all old like um, spiritual songs and like folk songs and like stuff like that. And he just does his own version. That was the first record I bought and I brought it home. And if you listen to it, his voice is completely different. It's like a totally raw, really incredibly grating. Like it's so hard to as listen. As grating to. as his voice is now, worse. It's 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 so really? it's so high pitched because he's so young. Like it's oh, it's really really yeah. bad. And like, but I remember just being in love with it. I was like, this is so amazing. It's awful, but it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the first time where I heard <laughs> awful music, and I was like, this is great music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was the first record that I uh, that I bought. I think then then I brought it home. <laughs> And then, like, the best song, I think, on In My Time of Dying, his version of that was extremely influential, like, on everything that I do. It's incredible. <clears throat> uh, what was the last one you bought? The last one I bought, I think, was... I'm trying to think now. I actually got sent... Okay, I haven't bought this, but I I, I met a guy... <coughs> excuse me. We played, a, we played Art of Music Week, and I met a lovely man from Nashville, Tennessee who came over, he runs a record label called Propeller Sounds Record Label. And uh, I was a huge fan of their label because I'm a huge fan of the band, uh, the DBs or the Decibels, whatever you want to call them. And uh, I met him at Ireland Music Week and they recently reissued, his record label recently reissued all the DBs uh, couple of albums on their label. So I think they bought their catalogue. How many do they have? I think they have like, God, I don't know. Maybe. Is it like more than four? No, I think oh, maybe okay. like three, maybe maybe four. I'm not sure. Um, but they, I think, ha- uh, I think they own the rights to them at the moment. So I remember I was listening to them and I was like, oh, this this record label releases the DBs. I'm a huge fan of the DBs. And then I saw, oh, shit, they're, they're going to be at Arnhem Music Week. They were one of the delegates. the delegates, yeah, the guests that were coming over. <clears throat> so I really want to talk to them. And then I met um, the, the guy, Jay, at uh, Arnhem Music Week. And I was just chatting when I was saying I'm a huge fan of the DBs and mm. like... I love that you're reissuing all their old records because no one knows that band and they're an incredible band. Um, Spy in the House of Love is a great song. Uh, Big Brown Eyes is, is another great one. But um, 
I was talking with him and he was like, yeah, like I'd love to like send you if you're such a big fan, you know, like I'm a huge fan of yours. Like my daughter loves you as well, um, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Someone in like Nashville listening to like my music. Um, he was like, yeah, if you want, like I can send you uh, some records over. And I was like, yeah, like I'll send you some records. So I sent him like uh, some records and uh, then I sent him like uh, we, like last year we did uh, like a limited run, like 20 T-shirts. I hand printed them. And I had, I think, like one nice. left over that I found. So I sent it to him and his daughter. I was like, this is for your daughter. Like, thanks for like listening. And he sent me like a bunch of records. So he sent me the first couple of DB's albums and I've been listening to them like oh, a lot. They're really, he's such a nice guy. He's a lovely, lovely that's guy. Ama- that's a class story. Yeah. Well, actually, just you're saying you did the t-shirts yourselves. Do you do the artwork for yourselves for the... No. No. I absolutely don't. I have absolutely like very little to do with the artwork. My, my girlfriend, who's been like a huge influence on my music and like my life, she um she does all the artwork okay for me um she I I like it's a very distinct style of it's very gorgeous. distinct style yeah she she does all the artwork and it's 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 amazing like we'll just like chat um like I let her like listen to the song and then she like come up with something like it's it's fucking amazing like yeah I, no, I, 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 I Commander Trainwreck particularly I was just, I was looking at just going like me as a graphic designer I was like this looks fucking class yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh the qu- something with your artwork actually when I was like looking through Spotify and it's like nearly everyone has like a different color but they fit like they're all different colors to each other but they all fit the same kind of like like a what you call it like a continue like a color spectrum yeah even though the, the artwork are all different but they're all similar as well it's kind of cool like i admittedly have a terrible eye when it comes to visual stuff so like uh like she really yeah she like does like everything like that it's it's like she's such a good eye for it it's it's i'm very very lucky to have someone like that in my life you know the goo one particularly i was like i was looking at that i was like <laughs> i love this one i thought that was brilliant Thank you so but much. uh one of the things that uh i was like because we're talking about your music but like i never hear you talk about you so you have these two songs in your discography that i haven't heard you mm. mention and they're very like different to all your other songs like the first one's called average joe could you tell us about average joe i have a song wait what <laughs> So, I was going through your discography on YouTube today after listening to Skint right. in your channel, and there's a song called a- uh, Average Joe, which I've never heard before. Is it me? Because I don't have a song called Average Joe. <laughs> oh, well, well <laughs> just, 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 just Zach's going to show it to us that he can Let tell us a little bit of Can I hear a bit of Average Joe Wait, there? The ad stop. They're not getting free ad time. No, 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 they're not no. getting fucking free ad time on this go. podcast. Skinner, don't chat to man is the name of No, Average Joe. Oh well, you only sent me. Don't chat to man. Oh, well, average Joe's good as well. It's on. It's on. It's on your profile. Yo. It's on my profile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get my people to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so me, man. <laughs> yeah, it was like different voice dialects, everything. Man, I wish this was me. Holy shit. <laughs> We are we sharing the same name? Yeah. Amazing. If you gonna, <laughs> from now on, this is me. <laughs> we need to put this as the intro song. I, was like, I, was like, I don't remember Aaron's voice being this deep. <laughs> no, this is uh, uh, for the record straight. This is not me. Um, I think it's just someone with a similar or like a, the same name. But, like, the same name, but YouTube puts it into so because uh, I was listening to a mixtape on it. It was just like your song. Then that came on. I was like, what the fuck is this? um uh okay next question is if you were to pick one change in the irish scene what would it be if you asked us a year ago i would have said bands stop wearing really shit suits because that was a thing for ages where like 
it was always like <laughs> just like bands you know like four do four or five dudes like wearing like really bad suits trying to be like the same thing like over and over again that would be the main thing but uh i think now in the last year i think a lot's changed like that like i always hated the that term post-punk like i I, I, I love post-punk music but i think that the way it was used in the media particularly in in irish like it was grabbed onto like a very few bands who were not post-punk at all in the slightest way I completely agree with you because I've listened to bands that get the post thing before and it's just like it's just a collectivism term at this point it It is like it it became a sensationalised media thing like Britpop did and all that kind of stuff and to me now it's a dirty word like I don't I never use the term post-punk yeah I never it's ironic because I feel like post-punk has been used as a way of differentiating like rock bands from what was really popular like 10-15 years ago like Blink-182 or yeah. even like classic rock or like what was that The Darkness or you know not Nirvana so much but you know like classic Guns N' Roses is like rock ACDC's rock so people don't want to say rock so post-punk yeah, became this f- thing of like more intellectual rock or something no you know, it, I, feel I, think, like that. I, I think it be- it became a thing where like, like no I'm grand thank you Barry. Um, like post-punk in its in its like you know like feed estate when it first came about was was very much so about like individuality and including things in punk music if you want to call it that like, like that that weren't there so like you look at like disco a lot of reverb a lot of weird kind of stuff like was included in it. the stuff that came out of Ireland in the last you know five or six years had none of that in, in my opinion anyway it's like the core so I don't understand why it was called post-punk because to me it was not post-punk at all so change like going going from that like time period like I think now in the last like year or so, it's completely different now. Like there's a lot of bands coming out who are very original, extremely mm. original. Um, and it's not taking off like a lot of those bands like Joy Division and stuff like that, that like a lot of other people would have taken off. It's very, very original. And I'm actually a huge fan of what's coming out like at the moment. There's certain Irish bands that I can think of that are actually attributed. They're called post-punk and you listen to it and you're just straight away. You're just like, no, it's mm. not like it's, it's not. not at all. No. <laughs> Guys, rock is rock it's more post rock, if anything, yeah. yeah. In my opinion, but anyway, post rock is like you know, like enemies or like you know, and so I watch it from afar. Yeah, like, yeah. Have you ever listened to post metal actually? No, no, I've never to listened to post metal. Post metal is pretty good. Um, that but, sounds like something that I'd like, to but a lot of it kind of goes into gent, which I'm not a fan of, which is like the eight string guitars and stuff. Like, yeah. but uh, there's some really good stuff. Uh, I think like Russian circles are considered post metal. And they're like I've shown you them. They're uh, an instrumental band. They're fucking amazing. The new album out this year, actually, but they're very, very, very good. You guys yeah. ever listened to Postman Pat? Oh yeah, fuck I me, love Postman Pat, man. Yeah, man. Good that guy Pat. was the shit. So, <laughs> so friendly. His black and white cat. <laughs> I think like when you talk about like post punk, what I didn't like about that period when like specifically like you talk about like NME and like Pitchfork and stuff like taking like the Irish post punk scene. Like, a lot of that music was, like, very macho and, like, you know, like, oh, you know, like, it's it's totally taking away from the point of what post-punk was supposed to be in the first place, which was, like, individuality and, like, you know, like, people who were, like, accepting of everyone. Mm. I find, like, the more aggressive side of it is not what I identify with in my, you know, in my own life or anything like that. And I found that, like, that's what it became. It's, like, a very stark boring sound you know straight away like it's 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 not what it's about but like the bands that were attributed in Ireland like we won't name any of we them, won't name them but um like you kind of knew it straight away it's this kind of brooding almost but it would go it would lend more of itself to noise than post-punk yeah. like 
It was kind of like it was very strange. Oh, a new postponer. She's like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just a marketing term. Of course it's it marketing. is. Like, yeah, of course is it is a marketing term. And like, I understand that the bands that were categorizing that had no had no play in that. Oh no, it's not. It's not the band. There's 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 no band. No, no, no. I don't think we are. But there's like there's no band that I don't like. Most bands that I've spoken to do not classify themselves correctly as no, not correctly. They will not classify themselves the same thing that. A music reviewer or a or a journalist would classify the see, band that, as. That's the thing. You see, like I always say, like music journalism is just so lazy. It's shit at the moment. I have no problem saying that music journalism is absolutely in the toilet. It's the worst it's ever been. It's like so lazy. It's oh, so please. clickbait. It's 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 so destructive for so many people. And I think that it should be said like now that like if you're a good music journalist, you want to do something like different straight away because. It's absolutely in the toilet. Like no one's even trying anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. Like fairness, it's so shit. Like who even reads anything anymore? In fairness, are we thinking about music journalism as like on the like blog and print space or whatever? Yeah. But, like, if you think about like YouTube or podcasts, like that's some of the best. If you would say like, it's it's taking over. Like print print like music journalism is dead because yeah. no one's buying magazines. But like blog music journalism is absolutely atrocious. Like yeah, yeah. and like I understand to a certain extent why. It is the way it is because like websites make their revenue from ad clicks and they make yeah. their revenue from people coming in. So you need to post about, you know, like the biggest thing and like the news that week and stuff like that. But and you need to post the most sensationalized thing. But there is a part of me that's also like, well, you could do something different. You could like try and make your own scene and you could talk about things that are actually interesting. Yeah. Whereas like it now it's like if you read like most reviews of like what a lot of outlets, I'm not going to name them, but like what a lot of outlets are doing, even in Ireland and stuff, it's so boring. It's incredibly boring. But like even like I used to get very bogged down with reviews and like constantly there's a few times where like we've been doing like our sh- the show that we do oh, together yeah. and I kind of go like oh well this thing and I have eventually stopped but the ones that like I used to get really bogged down by Anthony Fontana was one but I do agree but then I realized it's like oh I don't actually really care but the thing is when you actually start reading reviews from other sites that are really poorly written that are just scathing of a band you're just yeah. like Okay, well, at least these guys actually have an opinion. It might be one that I completely disagree with, but just this laziness. The one, the only ones that I had to trust now is that Brooklyn Vegan is a very good review mm, site. Yeah, and I like Brooklyn Vegan, especially for their metal. Their metal reviews are brilliant. And Angry Metal Guy, which, guess what they review? But um, <laughs> but yeah, like other ones I kind of... like Like even just reading stuff from the Irish Times and stuff when they review an album been reading reading ones and just like oh this is just like they gave it two out of five for they didn't like this one particular song or something it's like no you should dissect the whole thing as a piece and write it as a piece but then again they might only have the characters of 100 but i'm rambling but it is very difficult review-based journalism whereas like i think like there's a real boom of like people making videos i watched some video of some guy had like earlier today like a thousand views talking about like hard bop jazz like this video essay and it was just so brilliantly put together great examples great like way of dissecting the style of heart like because like I'm, I'm getting a little bit of jazz you know but i went through a lot you've been a you know? jazzy boy for a bit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got like, a trumpet there in the side of the room <laughs> there is a trumpet sitting here in the side <laughs> of the room people a just like just a like, tiny off a mic stand and it's been used believe me oh yeah oh there's, there's definitely spitting them valves um but yeah there's loads of great like people making content let's say about music now that like yeah. it's probably better than like you'd get some things back in the day some television things or some passionate like you know journalists or whatever but if you think about the journalism as like 
people just making stuff that's not music, but like discussing it or talking about it. There's loads of great, even podcasts. There's like that, like a uh, dissect podcast. Oh my God. Have you listened to it, Aaron? No, I haven't. Oh my God. The one on, that's a good, that's a, that's, that's when you're really like, it's like, it, 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 it really gets into one. it in such a way that it's like reading a kind of like like a thesis kind of thing and it like it, it I mean I love that album and I had my own interpretation of what that album meant but then you kind of listen to this and you're like wow I didn't even think that you could like analyse such things again not that that's what you make music for but in terms of like when you love an album and you hear someone point out these things then you get even more like listens out of it another brilliant one was music it was a music exploder Song Exploder. Song Exploder. Yeah, Have you cool. ever listened to that one? No, I'm so bad for podcasts. Well they get basically what they'll do is they'll get an artist in, like the one the one that I first listened to was churches and they were doing that I don't know. I can't remember how it goes, but they had they, basically they had churches on. And what they do is they get every member of churches or they just get one member and they break, but they'll break down the song bit by bit by bit. And the recording so, process. And the recording process, like every little aspect of See, it. Yeah, I like that. The, the, oh, like you'll that's, love, that's you'll actually, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Trent Reznor was on it from Nine Inch Nails. Um, Corey Taters won, even Leanne though Leanne Havis was on it. I, like, I'm not a big Slipknot fan, but even him breaking down, it was a song off, it was the album after the Grey chapter. But, um, he breaks down this song, which they had a children's choir singing it and stuff. I was just to hear the isolated vocal and then the isolated drum and stuff. And then you had, then at the, and at the end they played the full song basically. So they show you each isolated bit and they tell you exactly how they came about making it. And at the end you get to hear the whole song. It's a fucking unreal that, podcast. Like they can be like 40 minutes long. Like, wow. As opposed to the older forms that would, that's much more like, that has longevity as in like people will still seek out like the dissect podcasts or, or the song exploder stuff mm. from years back whereas like that's not really i don't think hasn't really been the case obviously there's been examples of great music documentaries and and stuff but, yeah like, but in terms of i don't know it's like the yeah the people people will seek and there's so much of that good stuff coming out um it, but it is kind of like it's one of those things like music reviewing i find kind of we a weird one because it's very hard to find like a site, like as I said, I really like Brooklyn Vegan. I think Brooklyn yeah. Vegan is a very, um, what's the, impartial reviewer thing. Yeah. But sometimes, like I find, like when I'm reading these reviews, and like obviously it's a review, it doesn't really matter on your personal intake of the music. But occasionally, it kind of bothers me where they just hate on something for a very niche yeah. <laughs> thing, and it's but it's because they're, they're subjective, and like yeah. I think we're, there's a lot of people looking like at like music in, in nowadays I, I found that working in the shop it was like I remember we're like Tyler the Creator's new album came out and uh, yeah, Tyler the Creator's new album came out and there was like some kid in the shop buying Igor or something and I asked the guys like oh like do you listen to it? I just made yeah. a small talk with the customers or whatever sometimes it was like oh do you listen to the new album it was like out the night before like literally like t- less than you know 10 hours ago and he was like instantly this like 17 year old age was like yeah I think it's like you know probably like in my top five Tyler the Creator or like he's like instantly like sectioning it off yeah yeah like quantifying it it's like this has been out for so little and like again it's nothing against like people do that but it's like it's a weird like why do we feel the need to like categorize categorize race and stuff like that yeah like I I can never pick a favorite like anything really I mean I have things that I love but I'm like if someone's like what's your favorite album like oh fuck it's probably Adrian Lenker songs but that's like (laughs) if I I had to if I had to like if I had one album for like a desert island it's that one probably but uh 
yeah, I don't know. People get like really like trying to categorize like rate stuff, and I, I don't know that aspect. I think is really unhealthy. But then when you have like these like little video essay things, it's like people are only making that because they're passionate about it. Yeah. And in much the same way that someone is passionate and makes the art, these people have put the passion into creating this like essay about something. Yeah. I think that stuff is great. Completely. Yeah. Like I think, like one of the biggest problems I have with like, so like journalism, like reviews and stuff like that, is that no one is taking risks on new bands anymore. Like there's so many like really like fresh and like new bands. No one will touch them. It's the same with like, it's the entire industry. Like like, record labels, Mm. publishers, promoters, like no one goes near anything that's new. They're like this, they find something that works like this works. You're that you do this or that's, you know, like we we don't, we don't, we don't do anything with you basically. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, I can't speak for it, but like from what I've just read so far, like back in the day, there was a lot more risk taken in the music industry, mainly because there was more music and stuff as well. There was more money. There was more money, yeah. There was more money. There was way more money. But like, it needs to go back to that route of like finding something new and like being the Champion first person. Championing it, like, yeah, completely, yeah. Everyone should listen to it. Yeah, totally. Know? Like that. that's the way it should be. But people still do that. Like all of my friends, and I'm sure all your friends, like still do find things like, oh no, this is great. You know, people should listen to this. You know, it doesn't matter what, like who the band is or whatever. If someone connects with it, they want to like, share it with people and you know make sure it's appreciated like, mm. in the same way that you appreciate it yeah know? like try to access yeah, is very unheard of <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you get tired of reading about like the same bands over and over and over again like er- every single time mm. and it just becomes really repetitive and like it's not to any of their fault because like they're not the ones who are writing the reviews about themselves but yeah. like there should be more diversity in it i think especially yeah. particularly with like new music so people that are doing things that are new and stuff like that they should get more of a spotlight on it straight away but it's the same like like modern radio now. Sorry, I couldn't cross you there, Zach. But like you listen to this kind of band that sounds the exact same as something that's come beforehand, oh, like, yeah. over and over and over again. I'm like, why? Like I know that it's marketable, but like I always maintain that if you were to have, and I was talking about this with George Mercer actually, it was I always maintain that if you were to have an Irish channel that played just not the normal shit, it'd be way more because radio is a. Th- you know, it's a medium that's kind of getting less and less popular. If you play that kind of shit, you'd have people in 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 Ireland. I think would listen to it a lot more than the fucking yeah. like. How many people? I know it's pretentious to say, but like, how many people do you think listens to like regular radio music on a regular basis? Like, I know it's very popular, but like car people, yeah, people car people, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like you know, like there was like no, I know there's, I know there's a lot, but like like oh, like like sometimes like I remember like when it was actually like two weeks before uh, John Barker's show on 98 fm you know was was finished or whatever and i just made this decision i was like i'm just gonna start listening to totally art and it was unbelievable mm. like it was such an enjoyable like i can sit and put on an album but i was like never appreciated so much like that i like it's been years and like i listened to it occasionally but never like made the intent of like like watching a movie i'm gonna sit and listen to a show unbelievable and i was like so excited i was literally like I was like, I'm going to post this on Instagram because like people should really be... And then it was gas. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. But then sake. he's got a show on Dublin City FM again. So which Good. Because he's such like... like I don't, like, I don't think I've ever heard Ali Koulibaly on the on, on the radio. She makes some of the it. best fucking R&B music I've listened to in years. Like that kind of stuff. Like there's plenty of shit that we could go listen to than just... I'm trying to think of who's popular at the moment. I mean, no shame Kennedy, <laughs> but Jeremy Kennedy. See, no, the, 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 the but problem, there's nothing wrong with being popular. Like, if people like it, like, I get people liking stuff. It's the problem is that you're kind of over oversaturated with, if that makes sense. Well, like, the, the real problem with radio is that, uh, like, radio pluggers or, like, people in radio will get sent stuff by radio pluggers. So th- these are basically people who are hired by record labels, they're hired by artists, and 
artists and record labels pay them money to send their song out to other radio shows. So radio shows will have trusted pluggers that they, you know, completely agree with and everything that they do. So if they get a song sent by someone who they trust, they'll be like, okay, I've been sent like really good songs by these people before. And like, you know, they're really popular in the radio. I'm going to play this. And this is the problem that you have. The more money that you pump into things, the more you get played. Mm. So radio is very much based around money. It's based around like money and advertising. So like if you have something that is popular on the radio, they're always going to play it straight away. They're never going to take risks on on something that's new and they're never going to play anything that's, I suppose, like venturing outside of that very set thing that they have. I think this is a very Irish specific conversation. I mean, I'm sure it's still relevant, but like Irish radio is so, there's only like a couple of like professional, like as in like profit making stations or like big stations. Mm. Whereas in England, there's so many of them and like English radio, I still think is like again i haven't i'm not i don't live there i've never lived there but like you still have those channels where it's like people just play like you know yourself like, you oh know, yeah you know, like mexico radio well you look, Wait, if, what? If, look if, you... If, if you take the state so like our our our, our main broadcaster is state run so like straight away you know that they're taking no chances on anything but it's also saying, you yeah. take away the state yeah it's, yeah if you it's take away the, the state yeah see the bbc though is private though no bbc is completely public so they will take yeah. chances because they're like we don't need to like keep listeners engaged. I mean, because they're just going to have them because it's the BBC. They, they're like, so that's not saying it's like it's just as easy for RT to do the same thing. There's different aspects, or whatever. But like they they can play like BBC Six will literally like they'll play anything. So many yeah. Irish like small acts getting played on BBC Steve Lamack or whatever. There are still people out there that do that. But yeah. we don't have. If there's John Barker. There's a couple. There is a couple of people, but. It doesn't get the same listenership, I think. No. There's not as many, like, actual FM frequencies in our cars as there would be if you're in England, the much more local radio. Like, if you're in the northern part of England, you get all these, like, smaller stations. Whereas, like, in Ireland, it's it's, yeah. it's not quite the same. I actually listened to a good local radio. Now, it was an online radio station last night that Lily sent me, which is a... Well, I just have it here before I forget. It was uh, Dublin Digital Radio. Oh, yeah, DTR. Yeah, yeah, really good. Never yeah. listened to it before. So they had... Um, Dare Opium Queen, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he was doing a black metal night and it was pretty sweet. Nice. But again, that's like he played some radio. It's not like yeah, but it was still hard. like like it was, like there was no talking or anything on it, but it was still just like if we could just have an hour, like it was a it was an hour of classic black metal, so it was like it wasn't bands that I would listen to like Mayhem and all those kind of ones. Like there was what else was on it? Kralis was on it, but like the 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 old '90s and early naughty stuff. But like still, just to have an hour of just like a showcase thing, I was like, we should have more shit like this. It's very simple. It's only an hour. Yeah, put it on at a good time. But speaking of bands that need to be, you know, like this whole kind of creative thing. Who do you think is the most under? Who would you say is a very underrated artist that needs a bit of a shout out? Oh, fuck me. A very underrated artist that needs a bit of a shout out. Um. Well, not needs a shout out, but who do you think is like a very underrated artist just in general? Um, let me think now. I think that search results, their band from like Dublin, they're incredible. Like, Such they're a good name for a band. Great, great name. Yeah, they're they're doing things that are really, really interesting, really different to what's going on at the moment. Um, they're the ones that were at Tilt, weren't they? They were at Tilt. Yeah, yeah. They're fantastic. They're amazing. Yeah, they're savage. What type of music is it? Oh, it's hard to describe. <laughs> you know, like that's the best thing about them is like it's. It's kind of just them, you know, in a way. Like it's it's, it's very jangly, it's kind of parquet courts, it's kind of punk, it's kind yeah. of like Midwestern emo. Midwestern yeah. emo yeah, yeah. It's, it's Midwestern emo. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of different things like incorporate but it's very much their own sound, you know what I mean? Okay. Like they're what I love I love when I see a band that takes a lot of influences but then they combine them to make, you know, something different. So like if you think about like 
like a meat grinder like you're adding in all these different things like seasoning and like meat and all and then like you grind it up and then you come out with like a finished product it's mm. completely different what the original product started as i love when i see things like that they're one of the band that are like fucking amazing i think and they're irish and they're irish yeah they're from they're they're i think they're based in dublin at the moment oh, okay. yeah they're really really good i love that top other voices gigs oh cruel sister oh <laughs> who are cruel sisters oh Barry, you don't know sister oh, we're gonna I cut do. this part out of the Oops. podcast <laughs> Chair <laughs> just went on the chair just uh, collapsed <laughs> when we told Barra about Cruel Sister there. That was. <laughs> What's that? Is that it? Oh, no, 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 I need to get up. Let me get up. Does that happen often? Yeah, it does. I was about to say I'm not that. Yeah, fine, it collapses a lot. <laughs> get, sit up again. I'm off it. Just off it altogether. I'll just get out of your. I'll get out of your way. <laughs> I, I gotta. I gotta sit on the chair to do it. There you go. <laughs> I think. Yeah, just don't. Don't lean back too much. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, just don't lean back at all. All right, <laughs> I'll sit in the... who are Crow Sister? I've never heard of Crow Sister before. Oh, Crow, you like it's them. it's hard to describe. You'll have to just listen. It's another kind of like uh, artist that is just like their own sound straight away. You know, like it's it's very it's very interesting. Do you ever listen to the Garden? Actually, yeah, I listen to the Garden. Yeah, man, I just got into the they're unreal. I like the Garden, yeah. I mean, like I look, I love some of the Garden stuff. Yeah, I mean, but a lot of it, sh- a lot, a lot of it's fucking <laughs> yeah, but. uh some of it's very interesting. Like I, I like what they do. Like it's, it's really weird. I also like the fact that they're twins. It's yeah, yeah, it's very bizarre. Interesting about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, only, they've been going for years as well. Yeah, so like I only so uh, Spotify recommended me. So they had an album in two thousand and eighteen. Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's the one with the two of them on the cover of it, and it's kind of like. But when I saw it, it was just like, oh, there's just two clowns on the cover. Yeah, and then I realized that that's actually the way that they. Go on. Go on. It's yeah. a yellow cover. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, I know yeah. The one. But I listened to it from start to finish while I was playing Sekiro, believe it or not. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But I was like, this is some of the weird I don't like I don't know what to make of it, but like it's like they'll have like such class songs that are just strange, but I don't know if I like it because it's strange, and then just like songs that are just weird and just like that is just really weird. It's really like, like it's it's really weird. They're from New York, aren't they? They're a New York band, I think. No, or, or, I think it's Orange County. Oh, is it Orange County? Oh, it's okay. Orange County, yeah. They're just kind of like one of those bands that are they're really just trying whatever the fuck they want to do, which, you know, like, I respect that. In, Did in you listen way. to the new EP that they had this year? I haven't listened to the new There's EP. There's a lot of metal all. kind of stuff on yeah. it. Like, very, like, very aggressive. Like, I don't want to say hardcore punk, but, like, it just, I was like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a big difference compared to what the, yeah. the last couple of stuff had been. Before, yeah. Uh, which speaks of, uh, well, no, ew, it doesn't speak of anything. Uh, if you were to collab with anybody, who would it be? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez! But I ask people these questions. This is the one that really stumps people. Mason just went off and did a um, did a Tom Waits impression for most of it. <laughs> of course he did. He has the best Tom Waits impression it's ever. Insane! It's insane. So, impression is. Did we tell you about that beforehand? No. Though? Zach said. Zach said. We make sure. Joke, Zach okay. said. Make sure to ask him how good his Tom Waits impression is. And I kind of forgot about it. And then he just did it anyway. <laughs> it's it's honestly it's like insane. I'll never forget when he when he whispered into my ear in the Tom Waits voice. <laughs> I felt like he was there in the flesh. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, who, I, I don't even know. Jesus Christ, there's so many... There's so many fucking bands. Um, like, I've been listening to a lot of... Have you ever heard of uh, that band, A Certain Ratio? No? No. I think there's this band... I, 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 don't, I actually don't know where they're from. I think they're English. I think they're English. Yeah. They're like a real I think they might be from Manchester. I feel like it, I feel like I read that. I don't know. Uh, don't quote me on it anyway. But I've been listening to a lot in of a their podcast. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> I've listened to a lot of their stuff and uh, 
I would love to have done something with them. They're they're a really really cool band. Really really cool. What do they? What do? Uh... It's a uh, <clears throat> it's a bit of everything. Like it's it's ve- it has definitely like a bit of like later on anyway a Manchester kind of sound where you know like you're like talking Happy about Mondays like, kind of Happy thing. Happy Mondays, or, yeah. like but more gritty and stuff. But earlier stuff would have been very like punk, like um, punk kind of disco, like weird, like really really like weird stuff. Also they had synths and stuff. Synths and well. stuff, and they used like a lot. They used like a lot of, like chorus and flanger on the bass, a lot of slap bass okay. with chorus and flanger, which I'm a big fan of. Um. Yeah, just they had their own sound, which was really interesting and like really, really good bops, you know. It's funny seeing we were watching Nevermind the Buzzcocks with Happy Mondays and my dad. Sean Ryder was on, was Sean Ryder was yeah. on. Which your man, who's the other guy that was in it? Um, Bez. The guy that dances all the Bez, time. Bez, yeah, yeah, Bez, yeah. Bez, yeah. yeah, yeah. But my dad was watching it. I was like, oh my God, fucking Sean Ryder's on. And dad just goes, is he still alive? And I was like, yeah, he is. <laughs> Have you seen 24 Hour Party People? No, the movie. Where Alan Partridge plays. What uh, is that? You've never seen that? Oh, I've never even heard of it. What is this? It's a it's a, it's a, mo- it's a movie. It's a movie based on the hacienda and like the Manchester scene in the eighties. So it like features like. Oh, let me say Alan Partridge. By the way, it's not Alan Partridge. That's Sorry, the Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. What I I mean, he's Alan Partridge to me. I'm a huge Alan Partridge fan. Um, Steve Coogan plays Tony. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Promise. No, he was like a manager for a lot of those bands, and he owned. I think he owned the Hacienda. But you should definitely watch it. It's it's amazing. Uh, the Happy Mondays in it are incredible. <laughs> Where are they? Are they actually like they depicted in it? Are they? Uh, no, it's, I think it's actors playing them. But uh, no, I know it's not them. But like, yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, no. It's all about like uh, uh, Joy Division, New Order, Happy Mondays. Who oh, else I is have in to it? see that. Stone Roses. Stone Roses. I think are in it for a bit. Uh, What's got the else. Hacienda? Yeah, you know, like that club in like Manchester, like back in not the day. The pub, no. On it was like the birthplace of like a lot of like you know oh, like no, the Manchester scene and that. stuff. You should I mean, definitely you dad, should really watch my it. My dad was telling me because we I, my sister watched Good Vibrations with him and he would have known the lads in Good Vibrations when Stiff Little Fingers and oh uh, yeah yeah. And I, I was just like, what were they like? Yeah, like that whole scene. And he goes, I you know like a bop in a bit because he played he worked as a security guard around Queens. But he was like, there was this one guy that was there that was fucking terrifying. He was massive as well, and he had a glass eye. And I was like, he's not in the film. My dad goes, yeah, weirdly enough, he's not in the film. But um, yeah, he just was a very rough and everybody knew him as just don't fuck with him. And if he didn't like you, he would drop his eye on your lap while you were drinking or you drop it into drink and go, I've got my eye on you. That <laughs> is fucking hilarious. Is such a fucking that's a power move right there. Move, yeah. that's, a, that's the <laughs> ultimate power move right there. How can you top that? Fuck <laughs> me. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so I I think we're coming up to the end of it, man, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, cool, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Second last question is, favorite release of the year? Oof. Um, I really love the uh, the Junior Brother album, uh, The Great Irish Famine. I haven't actually listened to it yet. I listened to that stoned in bed the day it came out, and uh, it was truly amazing. Like, he's he's honestly one of, like, the most, like, uh, forward-thinking songwriters. I think he's a brilliant songwriter, yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Um, <clears throat> that was really a great album. I think this year. I'm trying to think what else came out. Um, a lot of a lot of good music that I have. Oh man, I can year. never remember. Fucking yeah, that's the other thing I was saying. It's like I was problem. like I was going to ask you, and I was like, but it will spoil. See, he he'd be great to ask because he fucking is like an encyclopedia. We're going to be doing a fucking yeah, show yeah, on it next week show, or some like, stuff. Yeah, I can't. I can't even remember what I have for breakfast this morning. Um, Oh, Big T's album. Was that this? Oh, that, that was yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, incredible. Because uh, was it big... drug into the world? Of big that was yeah. that was the, that was my introduction to Big T. Was that album actually? Yeah. That's what got me into Big. I, I like I, I hadn't actually listened to them beforehand, so I can't really say that I wouldn't have been into them. But that album was 
insane. It was amazing. The way it was recorded, everything about it. When you told me like it was done all live. Yeah, oh, but man, they only play live. Like Like, that is just like, it's mind boggling to get that sound live, you know, from like 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 a studio engineer point of view. The technicality and the mic placement and everything must have been insane for that. It's like a lot of it, not like obviously they're all amazing instrumentalists, but they're not very flashy, which is like the thing that like I think, you know, is that I love about them is like Buck Meek or whatever. He's an incredible guitar player. If you think such a good name for an artist as well, voice. Yeah, you know, it's like it doesn't. He doesn't play like solos, but it's like like even if he He serves the song, serves serves the song. song, Yeah, he'll have a really dissonant thing that like in isolation sounds like it should be on a fucking no wave song. But because of the way he's kind of played it, the dynamics and stuff, it fits in totally. Or like, if you played it on a different instrument, though, it would sound like, why is this, like, abstract jazz coming in here or whatever? Like, and the drummer as well, he's very soft. Well, when he, he can be very soft, you know, which, which again, helps for the yeah. live recording thing that he, he could just play the volume where he could probably have a conversation while he's playing the drums. Can I ask, what is, di- like, I know what dissonant in terms of death metal means, but I don't know what it means in terms of jazz. Is it just kind of just, it's just not... I don't like. I actually don't because I'm not a big mu- like. I, I know. I just a music well, nerd, like, but in, don't. in my personal opinion, like I don't think you can play wrong notes in jazz. Like, like what is it that I think it's like Herbie Hancock or Miles Davis says like, "There's no wrong notes if you play them with feeling." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. And I think that's actually true in like not just jazz. It's all forms of music because if you play something to like, I think it it more suits a live environment maybe than a studio or anything like that. But if you play with like meaning and you play with purpose, then it doesn't matter what you play. Like it. it and as long as you're serving the song, it just fit really well. Okay. But um, I mean, if you were, if I was to describe what dissonance is in like a technical term, it just sounds. But awful. see, that's what I meant because like because like <laughs> I, I know what dis- dissonance death metal you've sounds. Notes, you've notes it's of a chord. You've notes of a chord. There's like generally minimum three notes in a chord, and then you have like a scale or like a key that the song belongs to, and a dissonant would either be like generally like the, an interval that just kind of sounds tense, sounds right. wrong, doesn't sound. It basically sounds wrong. And so, but like you have to kind of use dissonance in such a way that like if you just play notes that are all wrong with the wrong feeling, sounds like shit. Yeah. In jazz, they'll like use notes that are like slightly out and just bring it back down to a note that's within the chord or the key. Okay. If you think of it like if you're playing like a really nice song on, so like you have someone sitting there like on a piano and you have someone playing a really nice song, like I don't know, like the the theme from the Deer Hunter or whatever, and then you just have some guy comes up to the piano. And just slams his hand <laughs> down like wherever he wants. Like that would be like a classic, like interpretation of what like dissonance is. A very extreme version, you know. Because because I know when you say it's not not a genre specific thing. Like uh, we're not 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 a sound. You can't explain it like in terms of like you know notes and stuff. Dissonant death metal. There's a very particular sound to it. But so see, I, di- I feel like dissonant death metal works a lot better though because it's uh, meant to sound horrid. It's, it's, yeah. it's supposed <laughs> to sound tense and like you know horror, but also there's so much fuzz and low, low, low resonant frequencies going on that like, it's not as it like they kind of meld a bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's why I asked the question because I know exactly what it means in death metal, but I don't know when you hear the likes of say like Big Thief doing a dissonance thing or or well, like dissonance to like Western ears is different to like you know like the Middle East or yeah, to, like, completely Asia different yeah. or whatever. It's like because like all that is based dissonance is basically based off of like what fits within the Western idea of a scale, which is a very like the Beatles kind of sound in a way it's like you know or like classical music kind of you know it's like this this box but like kind of major sounding outside of, of that western history and it's like you go to like microtones which like doesn't exist in western music theory you know you can be like a, a PhD in music in the west but like you don't know shit about microtones which are like in between of the pitches like 
that we have set out on it. And it I st- yeah, I have um, no idea what my. I remember you trying to explain microtonals <laughs> to me, and it literally was my head just going. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's managing though because it's it did. Like, like, but okay, the, when you the Western alphabet, yeah, then you start having these like things between the letters. No, because yeah. like I know when you listen it's to like, music that has it, like what was the one that I um. Oh, uh, a band that I think showing them to you. Have you ever listened to a band called Orphan Land? No. They're they started off as like a they started off as like a death metal band, but they just became a metal band. But they use like microtonal music in death metal, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They have an album called The Cave that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, would highly recommend. There's no screaming or anything involved. It's just microtonal mixed with death metal. It just makes a cool sound. But uh, to end the podcast, yeah, now we're ending it. The final question that I always ended with is, uh, what do you love most about what you do? What I'm most about what I do. Um, you know, like, I think it's really rare where, like, you get to get up in front of, like, you know, 50, 100, like, 200, 300 people and you get to express yourself solely how you want to and not get arrested after doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, that might be one of the best answers. <laughs> I think that's probably the best thing about, like, what I do is that, like, <laughs> It's a free reign to just be like exactly what you want to do, like in front of like a load of people. And, you know, no one's judging you. In fact, they're sometimes not all the time. They're they're vibing when they like it. You know, like how like how often can you say you do that in your life? Mm. You get to just be completely yourself in front of a bunch of random strangers. Like that's why I love performance so much. It's like if you get up there and you just get to be exactly what you want to be for that 30, 40 minutes, you know, whatever you want to call it. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll leave it there. Also, before we go, obviously, fuck me. That, that's like the fourth time it's gone on. If you have anything to plug, uh, you can work away of right Of course, now. yeah, plug the shit out of it. we got a tour coming up uh, in, in February. It starts the first week of February. You can get tickets uh, online. Go to my Instagram if you want to find it. Um, I've also got some, I can't say what I have coming out next year yet. But there's a lot of big things coming out next year as well. Possibly some traditional Irish. Possibly some trad Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Um, And I think... Can we plug the... Can we plug that? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) We don't know if we're going to plug it. We'll be playing Whelan's Once to Watch in January as well. We think. Don't quote us on it. They asked us to do it. Watch out for Whelan's Once to Watch. Yeah, that's in January. Other than that, though, consider February like to be the next kind of thing. But uh, yeah... That's that's. I think that's it so far. Doing oh, a lot of writing. Got any house parties? They want some music. I think we will play house parties. Like we actually will just we we literally will show up yeah, and play a house we, party. We have enough gear to like you know fund a, a small record label. Yeah, but you <laughs> need to you need to give us like you know like possibly a month's notice so I can yeah. you know arrange it with work and everything. We'll but we will stuff. we'll show up. We'll do it. Like we'll get the speakers. We we'll get the amps. We we'll do it. We'll do, we'll it. do it. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. (laughs) 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 Thanks so much for coming on, man. No worries. Thank you for having me, Byron. Thank you very much. So that's the end of our episode for this week. I just want to give a quick thank you again to Aaron for being our guest. And like you said there, Skinner is going on tour in February. They'll be playing Galway, Dublin, Cork and Limerick. So you can get tickets over in his bio on Instagram. And uh, yeah, if you just like that episode, please give the podcast a follow. It greatly helps us out. And I hope you have a lovely day and thank you very much for listening.